If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're back for episode seven of season 41 of Survivor. There's gonna be blood. My favorite uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> my, one of my least favorites. Uh, love Paul Dano, though. But no, this is the follow-up to the No Elimination episode where oh, we yeah, finally... Oh yeah, I guess this is technically part two. Yeah, we finally found out if Erica was gonna smash that hourglass or not yeah i was hanging by a thread a phantom thread all <laughs> week um waiting for the answer to this question i really respect that they like tried to present it like there's a choice like um <laughs> jeff was really hamming it up i think to try to make it seem like she didn't i hated the presentation of it i thought it was like weird and awkward and it was so corny yeah, yeah. It, was, it did not it did not land at all like having jeff kind of prompt erica and then right after be like okay but really this is what happened this is the choice she had to make mm -hmm. right after it was it was sloppy and of course erica's delivery style is strange so it like yeah it sounded weird so yeah no for real like yeah i have some takes on erica that we'll get to moving forward <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this episode and the last episode to me has illuminated a little bit of why we haven't seen Erica that much mm -hmm. on the show. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, I think overall, I, I can't quite decide if I liked this episode or not, Joe. It's a weird one. It was like, um... Uh, yeah. Kind of just it was a gimmick, right? There is one moment that was exciting, but you know, as as a as a piece in a narrative, it's kind of just you know the one where a character dies, kind of thing. It's it's the one where a big moment happens and mm -hmm. everything's leading up to that moment. Yeah, it felt like I mean, obviously, with the previously on that happened, it felt like so much of the season we've seen has led up to this moment that I don't know. I think my my take is that it's a good episode of television, but it's a bad episode of survivor and it's bad for survivor in the long run i think i could get behind the second idea there of like it being i think definitely it's bad for the future of survivor because mm -hmm. i think it worked pretty well um and it was it was entertaining and it kind of reminds me of flashback to david versus goliath when Dan Rangering gets removed from the game with the idol nullifier. Um, and it's kind of like a woohoo, look at the underdogs go thwart the majority that no one likes. Like it's a big moment. And then we knew that we were doomed to get that idol nullifier again. Um, and then we mm -hmm. did. And I think that that twist might be dead after uh, Janet in 39. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, th they're so results-oriented. So the fact that this bizarre situation with this twist turned it into a good thing means I think we're definitely going to get something like Knowledge's Power again, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I, I like Knowledge's Power, but Ooh. I don't know. I think it's just, for me, the like definitely the hourglass twist, I think, is the bad part. 
because you had people very obviously not happy with the result. And I then, can't believe we saw that, by the way. <laughs> and then Jeff was just like, oh, well, that's just how Survivor is sometimes now. <laughs> it's very, like, glossed over. And- yeah, I mean, there, I guess there's two sides there, right? I mean, we saw, what, three or four times in the episode where contestants were, like, actually, like, vocally upset about the twist. Like, mm-hmm. That's not something you'd see in Big Brother. That's not something you'd see in a lot of these shows, right? Where you get Danny being like, this is unfair. Like, this is actually genuinely unfair and not a game. It's a a series Mm -hmm. of random situations. I loved what Danny brought to this episode, and I'm so glad that he let them have it. Yeah, because on the rewatch, I wanted to pay attention because I think I'd heard that Danny sort of made a fuss of it actually when the twist was revealed that we didn't see. So I was sort of watching to see like if you can catch that. And there's a bit of an awkward cut there. But what's also interesting is that Danny's like nodding when Erica makes her decision because of course Erica would make that decision. He's just mad at the twist in general, which yeah, I think we love Danny for that. Which is what we said, right? Like, we kind of called that like no one's gonna be upset that she got immunity because mm-hmm. obviously you're gonna pick to get immunity they're gonna be mad at the stupid production yeah <laughs> that's not stakes or drama or whatever they were going for it's it makes them look incompetent and then so much so that they have to get they i guess it was such a big deal they basically had to show it on here or maybe that they actually genuinely learned their lesson i'm not sure what to take from these being in the episode but i feel like most of the time they completely sideline this or have like one brief mention or something that they're unhappy or even try to make danny look bad like i think we've seen that before mm-hmm. of uh, danny's invisible in the season because he didn't like the terrible twist yeah which he's less visible than i think we thought he could be so maybe some of that is that be- reaction yeah, I, I mean, I think that this episode, what really worked for it, and I mean, like, with the, the, like, I think the production on the beach is actually bad this season. I think looking at it, uh, grand scheme of things so far, I would say that I'm not impressed with the Survivor production, but I think they were able to turn this into a pretty entertaining episode. I think part of that is from folks like Danny and Xander. Actually, I think I think I leave this episode being like, wow, they're actually both really good, interesting players that were fascinating to watch. Oh, yeah. I definitely liked what they brought and I like seeing them in their scenes of strategy because they're presenting it so interestingly. I just wish we got more of that throughout the last few episodes. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you and I, I'm worried that because this, I feel like most people left this and were like kind of jazzed and hype. Whereas and I was with them, like it was fun. Like it don't get me wrong. It was a fun episode, but sometimes it's okay. So this cheap pop, uh, what does it do? Like what cuts does does it make when the explosion goes off, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a fun adrenaline rush, but what slow bleeds are going to happen to the show we love over the next couple of years as this informs their mindset on the show. Yeah. I guess I was thinking more of it in that you do this and then like, oh, but it doesn't actually, nothing actually changes in the sort of dynamic of things. Like someone from the minority still went out. It's still an overwhelming majority as far as we can see that can easily split votes. Just, mm. yeah. No, I mean, I feel like every time it happens, we harp on this, but I think this episode might be the worst usage of the live tribal that we've ever seen 
scene like and to me is a, such a perfect illustration of what's so bad about it like it's anti-fun it's like uh, uh, survivor caramoan kind of isn't many people's favorite season but i feel like most people like the three amigos tribal where the malcolm and the the three amigos there use the element of surprise to turn uh a play on the majority right they're Mm -hmm. they're able to uh use surprise tactics to get one over because the majority can't regroup they were just allowed to go and re-coordinate a split vote like that sucks that's not fun that's like the whole like to me lately like the tribal councils feel like you can just fast forward through them and that wasn't the case for what 28 30 seasons of survivor where tribal sure sometimes people are dodging questions and stuff but if a moment of urgency happens it was really interesting but now it's just like oh now they're gonna just get to redo the entire beach stuff and coordinate yeah. 14 votes or whatever to line up properly. Like, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. I would say it's the opposite, where now, like, essential stuff is going on at Tribal Council that you can't skip out on because it's literally how votes are decided. And we've seen before how they've struggled to illustrate that in live tribals, like what's actually going on. And I think maybe their infrastructure for recording what's happening is getting better, but yes. it still makes for a messy story. And I don't know, this is a weird example where I still feel like what was happening was obvious and anyway so that it didn't i didn't need like to really figure out what was going on but yeah i just like chain them to their chairs they can't move like that's the fun part right is it forces people to speak their mind if they have Mm -hmm. to change something out loud like that's what's interesting like that's why tribal is theoretically interesting and i i don't know i feel like it would be the easiest thing to fix like one of, I think, the primary issues with Modern Survivor is that, like, I, I, I guess the flip argument to this would be it actually probably preserves game integrity to some degree, right? Like, um, it, it's a giant neuter on the power of idols and advantages and stuff, right? Like, the fact that they can regroup afterwards, like, after the idol steal doesn't work, they're able to completely re-coordinate their plan. Like, mm-hmm. that's a giant nerf on those fantastical powers. But at the same time, like, the reason they're injecting those things is because they want more shakeups, and then they just let the majority completely regroup with no... There's no benefit to uh, surprise at all because they're, they're just going to huddle up and re- regroup again. Like, yeah. I, I, it feels um, like those two philosophies are completely at odds with each other, right? Like, there's uh, the desire to want things to shake up by throwing in idols and all this kind of nonsense and then live tribals which i think preserve the majority and make it easier to be in the majority and honestly there's probably also just like a tribalistic element to it right like when things break down people are like ah like chicken cut off like chicken with a head cut off situation so they're probably even more prone to manipulation by uh by group think mm-hmm. yeah just more wanting to group together to whatever works and then i don't know that doesn't really work out for underdogs i think most of the time it's too like tricky to be an underdog and actually work magic in that situation as opposed to being like the power of the majority and just being like it's all good just vote with us i really think it's one of the big issues with mod like i think every season so far that we've done the show we've talked about how they've gotten really good at the pre-merge of survivor uh, like editing it, the narrative, everything like that. And I think every modern merge has been 
significantly worse than the pre-merge. And I think that's counterintuitive to what Survivor, for the most part, was. Like, I think in general, like, uh, you know, Heroes vs. Villains and even, like, Samoa or Token Sheens or whatever. Like, those good episodes are in the merge. And it's been a long time since we've gotten, like, a really good merge season. And I think a lot of it does come down to these live tribals because... it's just anti-drama it it, it, it's people running around being confused and ultimately deciding deciding what happens there and so everything else doesn't matter and i really i really think that's like probably 10 percent of why modern merges are the worst parts of the show when they used to be the best parts of the show Mm -hmm. i think a significant part there too is sort of just how many people are involved yeah like in the merges now i think they could benefit from going down to smaller merges (laughs) again Mm -hmm. Especially if you know you have strength in the pre-merge. And like that was really one of the things that worked here, I think, is they let them get down to really small numbers. And yeah. it made for interesting, interesting tribal dynamics. And so, yeah, I would say 13 or 12, it doesn't always have to be. Go no, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that... Like, I love that they didn't do a swap. I love this kind of stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, w- there's too much that undercuts that, and it makes it hard. But overall, like, this cast delivers. Like, I really, really appreciate And we've talked about this a lot this season. Of There's more consideration this season on, like, the thought process or, uh, you know, set of situations and circumstances behind decisions this season that I think we've got in a while. Like, we got Xander's plan from its infancy to him duping Liana, to him talking to Danny about it, to, like, we got the whole stage of manipula- manipulation there. Mm-hmm. Then at Tribal, we I thought we got a pretty fun flashback uh, to him explaining. Like, I think that's actually the proper way to handle that. Like, I really loved that whole um, plot line in this episode, right? Like, I, I would say it's probably the A plot, right, of how Xander's able to dupe Liana in the majority was really good, I think. I think that was a good, mm-hmm. well-told story. Yeah, I think uh, a little too obvious, but also I'm sitting here on a podcast talking about that of Survivor, so I'm even just a little too tuned in, too. So, but it was like, Did you think it was obvious Sydney was leaving? Um, uh, I don't know. I think they could have just done it more shockingly. Like, it was very yeah. easy to see, oh, Liana's advantage isn't going to work out. Like, whether that's because the idol's been given away. Oh, idol, or Xander pulls out this idol very obviously. It must be a fake. Oh, they kind of brought Sydney's name up. Sydney's probably going somehow here. It just, I don't know. It's nothing new. They've done all these tactics before in some way. So Right. That's fair. Honestly, for me, like, I was pretty convinced Evie was gonna leave like I thought that was gonna happen so uh like mostly I think after Xander didn't play the idol I was like oh this is gonna be like this brutal brutal blindside but I was wrong um when Sid like I don't know I think we both kind I think we both picked Sydney last week to leave um but it didn't happen in the way I would have expected like no so yeah there is a very interesting sort of like the Yasa tribe something weird has happened to them that we'll discuss much more but like that definitely didn't go the way we were thinking I think so there's a lot to discuss there right no for sure um and yeah I think my I guess Joe like now that we've gotten out of this uh two-part 
merge episode. Do you think this would have been better uh, one hour or, uh, you know, a two hour block last week? Mm, I think so. I can't really, I don't have any good reasons why, but I just feel like it would have worked almost like a, like a very special episode where like, oh, here's the big merge of Survivor 41, but it was weird to have it broken apart, especially on such a strange cliffhanger. Yeah, I think the real issue is the, the cliffhanger just yeah. did not match the, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the question right i feel like everybody who watched this episode is pretty certain especially when it's like do you want to change history or not change it like, they didn't even think of a good um yeah. a, a good name for the other option it was mm-hmm. just like or not <laughs> don't do it Definitely. um but yeah i don't know overall like i mean i think we can continue to see basically what we played last week of new characters kind of uh usurping your old characters that way in the pre-merge that were your main focus um i have a lot to say there um but overall i mean i thought it was, i thought it was fun i actually liked this challenge as well i thought it was kind of fun like i was pretty invested ricard definitely needed it right like hundred percent oh yeah i mean yeah i think he was a more obvious target than evie here and i think one that's much more definitely more than sydney yeah because i think if ricard doesn't win it then yeah ricard and uh evie yeah yasa and luvu can easily just be like let's vote out ricard yeah no i'm like good on ricard for like clinching a win there i was very happy even though he wasn't at all on this episode he was on the toughest nails promo though (laughs) yes he was which Honestly, I kind of love that. Like, <laughs> like use your commercial time for uh, hyping up the immunity winner. Because, you know, so many people are always wanting more focus on the challenges. Like, do that. That, that totally, totally uh, captures what those people are looking for. And then you can also send them over to Tough as Nails, where they'll get exactly what they want. Yeah, no, that's the show <laughs> that they actually want to watch, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, 100%. Uh, I guess, question, do you think, um, my, I feel like there's been much discussion here on the Xander not playing the idol of it all. My takeaway, uh, and I, I think the debate's like, was he like why did they not just vote sydney why did they um vote deshaun all that sort of thing my read on this joe and let me know what you think is that xander i think was probably telling his group that he would use the idol and or his extra votes because if he uses the extra votes uh i think the numbers and they have sydney I think the numbers make a whole lot more sense uh, from their perspective. But I think uh, when Xander realized that there's no chance that Sydney had voted, that made him walk away and kind of count things out and realize that Evie would like using an idol to take out Sydney would not have been worthwhile. I think that's kind of it was kind of a number crunching in the moment when more variables come out that they lost the vote anyway, and that's why he didn't use it. What was your thought there, Joe? I think, yeah, I just think I saw the sort of self-preservation side of it, which is like, yeah, we're probably losing this regardless, so what if I just keep the idol, and then it's in minor Tiffany's hands at least, and we can work from there. And there is a big threat out of the game. So um, yeah, yeah, I thought that, which then, but then you talking about the shot in the dark as sort of tangential, but like, cause you thought like Xander knew Sydney had used it. Like, is that shot in the dark urn nailed down? Because, like, what if you shook it? And then, like, you would know there were cubes in there. Well, uh, oh, yeah, no. I mean, that's a, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming there's a 
some layer of protection there. Like I hope so. So I assume that's probably not the case, but like my guess is even like if if you don't like even if you like because I mean based on what Sydney said when she's leaving, like I should have voted. That to me implies that Sydney would have voted Evie. So it would have been a tie vote. Mm-hmm. If you're Xander and you play the idol on Evie, I mean, it doesn't really benefit you that much. Sydney still leaves. Yeah. I-, I think he was probably realizing that there's like very slim chances that Deshaun actually goes home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he was so just, just hold like, on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got me thinking too. It's like, what if you just count the, uh, the parchments in the urn when you go to put yours in there? Like, so many little things like. Survivor, get this short up before it does become a problem. Right, because like, no, you're right. Like, if you have like a pretty decent met, or you're an, if you're the second, like, if you go in voting after Deshaun and you have, you see four votes in there and only two people have voted, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's actually a lot of power for voting first. Mm-hmm. From what I gather, though, um, based on other seasons, don't they actually remove the vote? Like, so. It's, you know, you, you're going to vote, you put your vote bu- thing in, and then a producer will take the vote out and it's a fresh urn each time. I oh, think that's... that's actually how it works. Yeah, but that's possible. And that would make sense. I think they would have probably figured that out right. by now. Because, like, what would be, I mean, you could also argue, like, what what if you can kind of see there's a D in someone's name, you know, like, from a vote hanging in there, like, mm-hmm. and there's only, like, let's say there's not Danny and Deshaun, you know, there's just, just one, and you're like, okay, well, I know who that person voted for. Yeah, definitely. Okay, but, I mean, I just, I'm seeing the production on this season like, yeah it doesn't give you the most hope the little things that survivor might need to figure out before it becomes a problem but yeah they yeah. have had two seasons of adam so they probably figured out a lot of stuff yeah no i i think that is how that works so um but yeah no i mean i guess okay so now that we've seen the first ever shine the dark used by sydney um mark that down on your like internal survivor trivia question by the uh you know question and answers yeah. by the way um but now that we've seen that, what what was your thoughts on the execution of it? I thought yeah, you go first. I think it worked out nicely. I I guess my assumption was they did it and then they picked and they found out then and there. But there was something interesting in that Sydney got to take it back with her, so she could just like not vote and then not reveal it either. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you would use that, but like I don't know. I'm sure you change your mind. Production would be like, uh, Sydney, don't you have something? to tell us um yeah i feel like jeff would jeff would (laughs) uh flag that um yeah to me like i think the scroll is kind of tacky to be honest like again they literally have a die Mm -hmm. but i think as we learned last week it's actually not a chance thing there's there's two safe scrolls and uh 10 not safe scrolls right Mm -hmm. so it's, it's actually not exactly random chance it's only two people could be immune if they all take it so yeah. Um, a lot different than I think we initially thought. Um, better than we initially thought because of the um, <laughs> what if everybody's immune? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I guess mixed on it. Like I think that the like little scroll and reading it was kind of kind of clunky. And Jeff having to be like Sydney, I see you have something there. Like <laughs> I don't know. It was a little weird. The other thing I want to flag here 
is so earlier in the season we had Evie do a Jeff Probstism um uh previously on Survivor, right? Like uh and did like a couple weeks ago we got that sort of moment. Mm-hmm. We got a previously on for the first time this season. Jeff yes. didn't say previously on. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it just, was just flashed on the screen. Yeah. And then it was just like this immense summary of twists. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was though it was basically episode that terrible episode that we were like, I think we're done with Survivor. It was basically just replaying that replaying that uh whole episode. Mm-hmm. There, there were some interesting scenes in there that were not advantage related that I think are worth bringing up. So we'll cross it when we get there. Yeah, no, and I, I thought that was very interesting. One that Jeff didn't talk, but also yeah, I mean it made up I think I counted as oh, it's almost two minutes. It was Maybe the longest previously on Survivor of all time for a season that we haven't had any. So it's, I mean, it's probably still one of the least previously on the seasons ever, but there was a lot, a lot of flashbacking this week. Um, so I don't know. I'm still not a hundred percent sure how I feel about that. Like the, the flashbacks, but if it, if it keeps people involved, like I know when I, whenever I watch with some of my friends, they're like, wait, who has what again? And Maybe it is worthwhile to just let them know. I don't know. Same with uh, next time on. He also didn't talk during the next time on. Mm-hmm. I think that's been an all-season thing. But yeah, I I kind of wonder, Jeff or uh, sorry, Joe with Jeff. Um, so I'm watching Secession right now. By the way, it's very good. Um, no, no spoilers. I'm only wait. I'm only on watch the first episode of season three okay no, well no worries no worries just the basic concept right yeah so i've been thinking a lot about you know just secession as a concept and i feel in every a lot of the decisions this season with the lack of jeff Probe saying previously on and next time on uh we've we've mentioned he feels a little off if there's more talking to the camera is jeff kind of wetting the waters a little bit for his secession plans for survivor like i feel like there's less like there's no commenting come on in or come on in guys there's no uh like i feel like he's the jeff probesisms are gone hmm, maybe there's a bit of just like uh what's it called like separating himself from from the actual game of survivor yeah like i think i think they're trying to decouple Jeff Probst from Survivor. (laughs) Uh, Because I I think in a way, I mean, and well-deserved, he he is an institution, right? Like, um, in terms of Survivor, he is, honestly, if you you were to explain Survivor to a random, many of his um, phrases and catchphrases and mannerisms are going to spill over in how you describe the show. And I think... If they're wanting to keep this thing going well beyond Jeff Probst being able to host, I think we're seeing the signs right now that they're trying to get that in order. I don't think that means Jeff's gone next season or the season mm-hmm. after or anything like that. But like, I think there's a clear focus to take him away from the show. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he's really been the most constant thing about the show. Like, the location changes, the, like set pieces change but like jeff is always the host and he's always there so he's really one of the most permanent like fixtures of survivor and he's also and done he's it consistent for... like yes. jeff probes is not somebody that is wildly changing frequently mm-hmm. like he, he uh we we mentioned like he always looks down when he says come on in or come on in guys i guess we've never actually heard him say come on in right uh but <laughs> they've changed it 
like there, there's just like key mannerisms to him that he are, are never changing until now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, he's done it for 20 plus years now, which is a long time to be doing anything. Um, so yeah, he, if he took a well-deserved break, that's perfectly fine. But yeah, there is some work to be done to sort of be able to decouple and keep survivor going yeah because i mean that's gonna like that will be the litmus test on if survivor can live honestly is the season after jeff probes leaves will do fine the one after that how does it do um i think will be the uh ultimate test on whether survivor is something like football or whether it is like an american idol or something that dies after uh actually isn't it back but you know um (laughs) <laughs> did die you know it's technically back but i would still say it's dead like can you remember anyone who's won american idol recently no no moving on <laughs> yes yeah it's like no longer a cultural touchstone and i think that jeff probes leaving will be the, the test there and i think it's interesting that already we're seeing this change um I, I think he'll be gone by 45 or 46. Mm, I think maybe 50. Than that. Maybe he ducks out at 50. I can see. Like, I would be stunned if he's out still there based on this kind of stuff. Like, honestly, less his age, less any of his delivery. It's more the him not saying, come on in, him not doing the previously on. Like, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff to me is way more telling of a, of a shift. Um, I don't know. I I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, yeah, he'll be there for a while. But I'm also like, with how it's happening this season, maybe he's out after after 42. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, yeah, it's possible. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, if this is just a weird episode to evaluate on, as a singular level. I mean, it has a clear beginning, middle, end. It has a clear moment. It's it's basically just a, a, a rising action episode. It's a it's a thing where an event happens, and for what's worth, they told that event pretty well. Um, and so I think hats off to them. I mean, I also think the music in that Erica moment early on was really really good. Like with the chanting and the it was it was pretty good. I, I've Again, we highlighted this last or two weeks ago. I think the the focus on the music, but they have done a really, really good job with the uh, orchestration this season. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so that brings us here to the themes and stories. Uh, the first one, I think, and again, like we've we've been talking about this every week, is the idea of risk. And mm-hmm. we saw somebody leave this episode uh, with a subtitled line saying, "Darn it! I wish I would have voted." Kind of sums up the idea of uh, needing to take a risk, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, it's all about Liana, like, mm-hmm. making a big move and missing. Yeah, so. it's it's two risks that didn't work in this mm-hmm. episode. And considering all season we've been talking about how there's a weird part of this theme that is not that your usual gung-ho, make big moves, slay anybody, push your grandma down the stairs to get ahead, like... There has been this focus on being careful and considerate and thoughtful with your risks. Like, still make them, make sure you think through them. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I think this episode was, like, a perfect encapsulation of that concept of, uh, uh, sorry, Liana wants to make a move so badly. And I feel like this was an episode that maybe for the first time ever 
in Survivor was wrestling with that idea of big move-itis, as it's sometimes referred to. Yeah, I think this is very much the, like, case studies for the season of, like, what are bad risks to take? And it showed you, like, two characters who took bad risks and they didn't pan out, and then a little bit of, like, positivity in Xander's big risk to not use the idol. And Also, that he's in a bad spot because of other risks he made early on, telling Evie about his stuff, right? We find out that Deshaun knew about it before uh, Xander ever told him and stuff like that. Like, Risk is all over this, and it's like, the, the, the state of affairs going into this episode in that previously on it is a summary of people making risks that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moves that didn't pay off in a good way. Like Deshaun uses his two votes and it doesn't do anything for him. Right. Well, I mean, I think you could argue that it actually was kind of a... Like, this is one of the... Okay, j- d- brief tangent. Would you say that Deshaun misplayed his extra votes? Hmm. Because yes. I think... Okay. Why? Like, why? If you're worried about the votes not working out, I would say put more on Sydney because he okay. voted for Evie with him. But like, you know, the idol's probably going towards Evie, so you'd want to <laughs> bolster your chances against Sydney. Well, my my flip argument there would be if he didn't the vo- if he didn't and the idol got played on the person with the most votes, uh, it would then be a tie between him and Evie if an idol was played. So to me, it's actually a really smart defense of strategy yeah we didn't see it happen but like do you really like to me it'd be very odd to criticize somebody for like like the flip side would have been if he left this game because the idol was played on sydney it revoted and then they were like you know what let's go for deshaun while we can and he still had that extra vote in his pocket the internet would have been making fun of him very badly uh and i think that's something to factor in is that it didn't get played but that doesn't mean that he didn't save himself here in many different timelines that would be my take okay i don't know i still think the smarter choice overall is to put them on Sydney. I, I can definitely see the argument there too. And I mean, I think you even see like some folks being like, why didn't why didn't Liana see through Xander and steal from Tiffany? Because it's the least likely. And I feel like with all this, all these kind of games of trick, chicken and prisoner dilemmas going on and that sort of thing, like I think the survivor audience is getting a little little um overzealous on how they would actually handle a situation. Because if you are Liana, you do not know that they don't trust you and you don't know that they're gonna switch the idol around or anything like that. But also if they're trying if she knew Xander had it. And then she gets goes to tribal and is like, uh, Tiffany, do you have the idol? And she doesn't. And then Xander actually had it the whole time after all that. Yeah. Like that would be edited like Eric Reichenbach. And the fact that people don't see that, that they would be making the same comments being like, you saw him with it. It was in his hands at tribal and you didn't take it. You thought Tiffany had it. Like they would have been roasting her over the coals for her entire life. If Xander actually did have it in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Risk yeah. is a bizarre concept, and I think the show's doing a, a fun job wrestling with this concept. Mm-hmm. I think we still have yet to see the, like, true considered hard choices. Yeah. Like, I don't know where they're coming from. It's interesting that who who acted this time around and where that puts them going forward. But 
I think there's still some other people who have room to consider a hard choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, um, I think this week, it wasn't really a choice-based episode. Like, we knew where votes were falling for the most part, right? It was was more of a choice whether to be proactive or defensive, right? Deshaun saying, let's go for Sydney, so my my name's not out there, versus, no, let's just go with Evie, they're not actually going to do it. Like, that was kind of the, the, the core core debate, right? Yeah. And obviously the biggest choice of all, whether to turn back time or not. Mm-hmm. Which, again, you know, wasn't, <laughs> I don't think was actually a hard choice, but was presented that way. And with what we do, I think we have to factor that in. Equally as difficult a choice as the most difficult choice in the history of Survivor. Like, the way it was shown with the empowering music and the, like, the, the whole production of it all. I mean, they're presenting it like it was very, very hard. It's that, and it's also how it's presented afterwards. Like, oh, it very much seems like Erica made the right choice by doing yeah. it. Like, I mean, who knows how long she's lasting, but she extended her her stay past where she'd be now. Like, yeah. that's for sure. So, yeah, we saw pretty cut and dry. It would have been Erica, whether yeah. that that's true or not, we don't know. But the show said she's leaving. She used it, and she didn't leave. So, yes, at least got her on the jury. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've also seen this, uh, like, focus. Like, the weird thing now is we've we flagged in the past, like, this, it's not supposed to be easy, nothing ever is. And for the most part, this has been connected to the idea of, like, physicality. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting this week is they almost reformed it to be, like, twists and a new change in perspective on what Survivor is. Danny is very distressed that, uh, distraught, sorry, that, uh, you know, he didn't win his, his immunity as he should be. And then Deshaun's, I, I thought, kind of sucking the kneecaps of the producer's response was, <laughs> well, it's a new, new era and you should expect new tricks and uh, it's not supposed to be easy. It's a new era. And they almost kind of re- reformatted this to be about, you know, kind of rolling with the punches more than necessarily being physically deprived Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean the physicality of survivor is always a pre-merge issue more than anything especially in modern times so yeah it would be interesting to see how that that physical game issue would be continuing but maybe there is this re reformatting of it where it's just a different type of survivor that's not easy at all in any sense of the word yeah yeah i mean honestly i thought deshaun was ludicrous here i mean from what i gather he was probably also pretty upset about it and he was just trying to save face but like come on i thought that was a very cringy confessional mm-hmm. <laughs> myself yeah very, well i think it was very like i'm mad but here's me putting on my best face and no it's feeling. like when when your boss does something like really annoying and you're like oh hmm, <laughs> i would have gone a different direction but mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from, and maybe in the future we can learn from it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think let's jump here to kind of this idea of what Survivor means to people. Erica was obviously front and center here again this week, mm-hmm. really talking about this. Like, last week she says that um, every day, or sorry, my, my Survivor journey is a love letter to my parents. Again, I think a, a be- pretty beautiful concept. As well as this week, the worst days on Survivor are still an adventure or whatever it is, something along those lines, right? It's still, it's yeah. still a gift. Um, 
again, a very poetic and beautiful concept. Like I, I was, to me, it's one of those moments that kind of transforms you as a viewer. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. Like, even when these things are hard, these people are living their dreams, and many of us would love to be in their position, despite their misery. Mm-hmm. She she says something about how, like, this is the most authentic she's been, and that line is so, like, it just, like, perked up my ears, because I was like, that's so... About what this season, I think, was always meant to be about, because you think about the preseason questions, where everyone was asked, what does authenticity mean to you? Mm-hmm. And so, it's another one of those things where I think the editing team wanted this season to be about authenticity the entire time and whether it should be or not it's getting hammered in there but then erica serves up a line like this so yeah no er erica was like we'll get to it but erica's such an interesting character um Mm. for me as as a as a television property just because of yeah we'll we'll get there but very interesting um Mm. and i think that in general we see even evie like i think when evie breaks down um when she finds out that xander is going to idol them i thought was quite quite beautiful and about authenticity right like i don't know if i would have done the same for him but it's amazing to know that they actually like me you know like this concept of i was the manipulator i was kind of pulling the strings and duped this fella but at the same time even in that manipulation i'm able to find a sense of uh positivity and belonging with this person that is wholesome and good was i thought again every continues to serve i think as a amazing confessionalist that's able to get to the root of uh kind of the human condition in these uh in these uh confessionals Mm -hmm. and i mean i think i'll continue to believe that the idea of being very authentic will be paramount to the winner's story because i think you're right i mean i think we've seen this a lot in previous seasons like uh, where they have a kind of a, a planned theme almost, right? Like their their inform their their production of the season uh, will be centered around a concept that they want to enhance. And I think this season it is authenticity. And honestly, Joe, I think they kind of did a good job if that's what their intention is, right? Uh, with the summit twist, I think that's actually something that while it wasn't the most riveting television when they were doing it every week, does uh, enhance your chances to get good authentic relationships. Yeah. I- I agree. I think they have presented those as more than just like little decision games. They are about like, oh, how do these two people relate when they meet each other for the first time? And yeah. What connections do they have and what do they think of one another? And I think that works really successfully. I mean, there's also just been moments of it scattered about. Like, I think Sydney's an interesting one where I think she feels authentic, but I don't know. It, it doesn't work. And that's mm-hmm. why that's what gave her this sort of edit that she had um i almost think maybe the editors saw what sydney was bringing as like very overconfident and more than she actually is and that's why mm-hmm. it's this treatment but i i honestly think that's kind of what sydney is like so <laughs> so that's the thing is i actually think that we flagged this more like i think this week it was a little bit more about authenticity But I think the story is actually about who you want to be versus Mm -hmm. who you actually are. And Sydney had this concept of her being something different than the rest of the folks saw her as. And that's where you get into trouble. Whereas, I mean, being authentic, another way to word that would be being self-aware or being cognizant of who you actually are in in relation to other people. Uh, And that's, I think, something that... 
Erica and Shan and many of these people that are presented as strong people are, really are being shown as, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's definitely rewarding. The positive moments are always attributed to these people who choose to be themselves and have a good understanding of what it means to be themselves. Again, the most important thing is when someone's vulnerable, let's just watch. Mm-hmm. Uh Listen to Jeff Probst, and I, I, I really do think again uh, uh, more reaffirmation. Uh, I'm still fully on board with my idea of our, and honestly, I think I'm walking back to the idea of them being like a West Good winner. I just think it's a you know more of a more of an emotional emotional win or more of a, a underdog situation than yeah. than anything else. Like that's more I think where I'm at now because I I think I'm I could still see it being a better jury. I could still see it being a situation like that. But I do think the the core tenet there of it being a a, a B tier winner kind of thing is, is likely to happen for me. Speaking of which, uh there's the other theme here that we flagged which is like this idea of sacrifice uh that need to be made um and i mean in this case i we the 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 thrust of this episode is xander giving away his immunity idol to tiffany yeah and also his willingness to use it for evie even if he didn't do it in the end i think it's very clear that he would have and was willing to sort of use it as a piece rather than hoard it all to himself yeah like with stories you have to go with what's before tribal council because at the end of the day at tribal council they're going to show what actually happened for the most part and yeah i mean the episode was telling us he was willing to do anything to keep evie in the game Evie's still in the game. Sure, he didn't use the idol, but I don't think that there's anything incongruent there. And yeah, I mean, we definitely saw this idea all over the place. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see in what other ways it gets twisted into the story. I mean, one would definitely be the um i guess this this would be plot a right is liana's decision to turn on yasa uh and, and that's sacrificing evie uh danny goes to liana and says you know it's gonna take a lot of convincing to get people to not want to vote evie mm-hmm. and liana says something along the lines of well i really like evie and i'm really sad to have to draw blood this early but we, our our universes don't align and that is something that is never gonna like it's gonna be an issue at some point so you might as well do it now that's yeah. a sacrifice it's it's liana's not i'm so done with evie i want her out of the game it's our path paths are not gonna match so i'm gonna have to make a sacrifice to my own happiness and security in the game to get ahead mm-hmm. i mean it's shan's lines like there's gonna be blood on your hands but it's like you're just the first like everyone is gonna have to do it so yep yeah and like again shan continues to just be absolutely amazing so mm-hmm. so like I, honestly, like, I'm so sad that Shan has kind of shifted into the background because every time Shan speaks, like, I think that that scene with Shan and then Shan at Tribal were the two best scenes in the episode, I think. Like, really, really good. But uh, I digress. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think that the other one we flagged last week was this idea of the my, kind of the case for the underdog winner. Uh, I still think it's it's all over this episode. Again, Shan was not prominently featured here. Uh, and I think, again, we see this kind of, in this case, it ends, last week I flagged it as Tiffany versus Liana, and I think this week it more emerged as Evie versus Deshaun, and Liana versus Xander and Tiffany. But I think that there's this war between those, 
two factions that I think is going to heat up. And those are your, those are your four primary characters, I think in this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose that's fair with Shan just flitting about and (laughs) doing things. Um, But yeah, I was kind of curious to see where this stood because I definitely saw where it could have been a Tiffany versus Liana thing. And I, as it kind of still was like Tiffany was the catalyst for a lot that happened in this episode. Yep. But the, the narrative wasn't really Tiffany versus Liana. It could it could totally also shift back to that coming up, but it was very much like Liana versus Xander. Yeah. No, it really was. It was uh I think before this we weren't necessarily like we saw that Liana really wanted Xander out, but mm-hmm. we never saw that Liana like really wanted Xander out. You know, like it was it felt more to me an episode what two or three the the million dollar mistake episode Mm -hmm. it felt a whole lot more like a genuine like strategic misfire whereas this episode to me made it seem like liana doesn't like xander like there's actually a a deep-rooted uh social issue kind of situation so that i thought that was kind of interesting to flag to see that like oh it's actually like a personal issue like liana says she doesn't want to stroke his ego anymore that sort of thing yeah the other thing that i thought was interesting here was the idea and this might be the saddest like most heartbreaking theme i've ever had to say on this show joe but i think at tribal council deshaun says i wish i would be able to use my show social skills more but sometimes i feel like they don't matter <laughs> maybe the, like the most heartbreaking line i've ever heard on survivor that this super social like amazing player i think like i really think that at this point you have to give danny deshaun like so much credit but him summing up that he just he might leave and it's completely irrelevant to his social ability and skills and completely mm-hmm. down to dumb advantages was utterly heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is something they want to lean into at least for this season where there is so much advantages and twists. It's hearkening back to that line Jeff said that like survivor player's journey often comes down to a moment. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that moment comes down to the luck of a draw. And it's just like almost this like admission that like, yep, sometimes your social game isn't the most important and there's little you can do. No, like I know we kind of thought it was this big moment in the winner story, especially when when we don't think it's someone who has such a strong win. Maybe that's the way to put it. But I think now it really is just like, uh, good players are going by the wayside due to the way we set up this game. <laughs> no, it, like, you're right. It's it, it's the bad, like, I feel like I'm always an advocate of luck as a concept because it's, to me, oftentimes luck is more, the more doors you try to open, some of them might actually just budge open, mm-hmm. right? That seem locked, some of them aren't. Whereas I think that this season with the risk theme, with that line that Jeff Probst says of the luck of the draw, it, it all comes down to this. I feel like you're right. It's more of an admission that this is actually kind of a game of snakes and ladders and some decisions are look like a ladder, but they're actually a snake. And then you're all the way back to a two on the game board. And I'm not going to lie. I hate it. I, I really, I really hope that's not the future <laughs> of the show. And it makes me worried that it kind of is. Hopefully them showing these people complaining means that they have actually heard that feedback. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic, I'm, Joe. Yeah. I'm very hesitant. <laughs> but yeah, hearing like the most social person out there say that they, they think their social game is basically irrelevant and a social game was, I was just like, oh, like this is supposed to be the ultimate 
test of social skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I like mean, yeah, you listen to like just how Deshaun says it. He's someone who can clearly say that he's so disappointed and angry with the way things have turned out, and then phrase it so elegantly and like kindly. I guess is the word. Like mm-hmm. just not not like throwing shade but not like i don't know being against the person you're throwing it at (laughs) no for sure it was very diplomatic for sure and yeah yeah, like it was i don't know it's just it's so sad to hear because to me the draw of this game is that regardless of where you come from and regardless who you are it's a bunch of people from different walks of life. It doesn't matter who you were before. Getting an opportunity to outmaneuver people on an, in a new society situation, right? Mm-hmm. And just seeing it be not that was was very sad. Yeah, like the the this is like the ultimate admission. Like, oh yeah, we we've gotten a little bit further away that it's a social game asterisk versus it's a social game, you know? Yeah. Again, I think more credence to my idea that we're getting uh, a less uh, amazing winner or whatever, you know? It's uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah. Yep. But anyways, any other any other thoughts on this long narrative? I. I do have another thought before we get to get to castaways, but it's maybe something I should have mentioned up at the top of the episode. The split of confessionals this episode is very interesting in that it's kind of like a merge episode, but like half the cast got confessionals, half did not. And if you, if I told you that without seeing the episode and tried to make you guess which ones did and didn't, like you'd probably be way off. Cause like we did not get a confessionals from Shan or Tiffany or uh-huh. Nasir or Danny. Um, just like a bizarre group. Danny and... surprises me. Uh, the other ones I caught that Shan and Tiffany and Nasir did not get one. Danny, I could have sworn he got a confessional. <laughs> and Heather, oh my gosh, no Heather confessional. Yeah, Heather freaking vanished. No, I thought <laughs> I thought this was a very lopsided episode to me when I was watching. Like we got no Ricard. Ricard won immunity, and as we mentioned before, probably saved himself. He spoke once, maybe. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think he said. He was talking uh, with Danny with, with about the twist, and I think that's the only time we saw him. Yeah, I would say get ready for your weekly Ricard hate session, but, like, Ricard hate is a thing that's prevalent on the internet, and that's not what I want to do. I want to hate on his edit and how it's not a winner's edit, but <laughs> we'll yeah. get back to that later. Wait, do, yeah. were people mad at something Ricard did in this episode? No, I think people have just been mean to him throughout. <laughs> So <laughs> he didn't even. He, Jeff hasn't even said, "Come on in." <laughs> like <laughs> that hasn't made an impact on you. Uh, but no, whatever. I thought I thought the episode was actually like good for not featuring confessionals. Like, yeah, it's on, a lot of on beach scenes. Yeah, on my chart, I have people like Shannon and Tiffany with solid like middle of the roads, mm-hmm. which like a lot of times in Modern Survivor, it's like if you don't get confessionals, yeah. were you on the episode? No, but. I think I think you're right. I think uh, I was talking to about this with some friends. I think Ghost Island. Uh, actually our first season covering was the introduction of a, a new editing strategy of let's call it in sort of cynical terms the introduction of like the sob story as the primary driver of personal content um i think this season has been honestly a, a refreshing departure from that 
Because I think for mm-hmm. four seasons, we got like deep confessionals about who they were outside of the game. And, and like, you know, they, they'd go, our, our joke was always they go to an, like Crying Island where they, they talk about their childhood for four minutes on the episode every week. And that's more or less gone away. I mean, we still get it now and then. We still get like the flash, like, you know, even like the, the their personal segments and that sort of thing. But I, I feel like by and large, we're more seeing like, who they are together like i learn more about who shan is when she's talking to liana than i do shan telling me her backstory and i think that survivors Mm. learning that lesson that people are uh creations of who they are with other people like you are only like no one's themselves like has a self necessarily it's it's who how you present yourself bouncing off other people and bouncing off other energies and creating that kind of bond you don't have a singular self it's just things that have happened to you whereas we actually get to see who they are when they're communicating Mm -hmm. and i think the good thing they've done with that is let like there's the focal character but then let the characters around them have their moment too without being that focal character like i I think back to Angela or even Janet where it was like an episode all about their character or then they weren't there yeah and like it didn't give room I guess for them to be a character throughout like let them bounce off of other people who are having their moment yeah. um instead of giving all that time to the person having the moment yeah like a uh, uh, kind of a story a story just like a script writing uh sort of tenet is the idea of you know if picture the the mustache guy who ties the people to the uh the, the railroad tracks right like the evil mcevil or whatever his name is right um even he really likes his grandma's pancakes um and actually that a scene of him uh eating his favorite food tells you a whole lot more about this very evil person because evil people still like their pancakes and great people still have somebody at work they hate or whatever right and you learn more about who they are in those moments than uh evil mcevil talk about how why he's evil or whatever you know what i mean like yeah. there's there's more behind these people they're three-dimensional people and uh i'm glad that in some degrees survivor is is addressing that more yeah we're seeing a more of it for sure one yeah so i guess let's jump here into the castaways anything else to flag uh before we jump in there no i don't think so because i think danny is a really good person to come off this point with 100 (laughs) percent. like i think this week we saw despite him having no confessionals apparently uh i think we left this episode having a pretty like i think if this was your first episode with danny you know who this person is Mm -hmm. they care a lot about um they're about winning they are pretty sly like i thought that scene with him and xander was really good and then when Mm -hmm. he went to liana it was like so uh he knows did you tell him like he was so charming and you get why he's good like you get without him having to tell his story just his performance like alone tells you what he's trying to do in those two moments he's Mm -hmm. trying to extract info from xander and then he's trying to figure out if leon is actually with him in the second one and hint where he, she needs to go. Yeah, yeah. It's just a very good handling of showing us where Danny is without having us just tell us to him, tell it to us. Yeah, yeah. Like it's exactly that. It's mm-hmm. show don't tell. Like we just saw him be very likable and passionate and charming, uh, and a good manipulator. I think I left this thinking Danny's a way better player than I would have if he said I'm the puppet master or whatever that 
we've mm-hmm. seen for so many seasons in a row is their is their tactic. Yeah, definitely. I do think the editors were a bit sly in showing Danny's sort of conversion to being willing to throw the challenge and then also showing him being mad when like a challenge doesn't go in his favor. It just like feels like they want to make him the hypocrite and like oh, put him in yeah. sort of a bad light, which Right, like we thought you wanted to lose. <laughs> that's a good read that I didn't even catch, but that's really a good point and interesting. One thing that I thought was interesting with Danny, all of a sudden everybody knows he's a professional athlete at Tribal oh, yeah. Council. Jeff's like, hey, Danny, you've played in large professional stadiums before. Like, last week you were telling us that he was hiding his occupation. Mm-hmm. When did this change? Yeah, yeah, that was very strange and... I don't know, inconsistencies like that, among other things, are very good, like, indicators, like, oh, Danny's not our main character by any means, and probably not our winner, because we're not getting the full story. Yeah, I think that, I think my hot take is, I think Danny might be the main character on the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you're there, um, on whatever, day 12, or whatever it is, I think you view Danny as, like, I bet they're expecting him to be the main character. Like, he feels like he's in charge, he feels like he's crossing yeah. all the streams, he's with everybody. I think, again, I think I was right preseason. I think I think Danny might be the best professional athlete to play Survivor <laughs> with his one tribe council. Mm-hmm. He at least gets a second one. Yeah, he does get a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really think he was very, very good. Um, like he's he clearly gets it. Like he was complaining about the challenge and mm-hmm. I mean it didn't seem like it was putting people off. Like it seemed fine. Yeah. That said, all that stuff that we've mentioned, like Danny is, I think, very last. Like Danny is below <laughs> Heather for me. Because there's no chance they would ever not show us him say telling somebody that he's a professional athlete if if he was the winner. Yeah, I have him second to last, but that is below Heather still. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad below Heather is the barometer. It's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, you know, th- there would be more attention here. That said, mm. I mean, with the, the less attention that he's gotten, I think they've done a pretty darn good job telling us. Yeah what his story is right it is about the the nuanced relationship to challenges it's wanting to lose and then ah, oh, why why don't you want to lose now huh like uh Mm-hmm. But at the same time, showing us that he is a competent and good player. Yeah, I think, weirdly, like, Ashley from Triple H is this great example of someone who got content despite not having, an, like, an interesting move or an interesting place in the game. And I think Danny is another good example of that, where, like, we're getting his viewpoint because it's a worthwhile one, but yep. he, not not the winner I don't know what space he occupies in this game. Do you think, yeah, like, that's the thing for me, is, like, I read Danny could be anything but a finalist, I think. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. to me, it doesn't, I I could see him being fourth, I could see him being on the finale. Uh, I'd be shocked if he left, like, next week. But I, I could also see him being idled out or something like that. But, I mean, it's clear, I think, that Deshaun's the ringleader, so maybe not that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, oh, he's going next week, but that doesn't feel right. So, yeah, I would say anywhere fifth and, like, higher. Like, I don't think he's fire-making loser. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think we just, like, we haven't seen him make fire, but I just feel like he probably can. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, again, I think I really like Danny. I I would like to see him play again. He definitely won't be because he called out a bad (laughs) twist. Um, Mm -hmm. But... What can you do? 
I am interested to see whether, because I think the one complaint here for Danny would be like, man cares a whole lot about there being men still in the game. Like, mm-hmm. my hope is that he eases on that a little bit now that it's closer to even numbers. Yeah, I hope so. That would be my hope. Other than that, I think Danny's great. And I'm I'm really excited to see if he does get more, if he is uh, an Andrea situation, or if he is a kind of a late bloomer, or if they just kind of sideline him. I don't know. I think he's, like, those episodes two and three, I think, are just going to be weird anomalies for the season. Because I think, otherwise, we've heard a decent bit from him. Mm-hmm. I think it just, it felt so weird to have that really strong premiere and then two episodes of nothing. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, I think it it makes you feel like he's been there less because he wasn't there at all for two weeks. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's, I think that's the factor. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that's Danny. Uh, let's jump here to Deshaun. Yes. Who, I mean, clearly, Joe, I think Deshaun is a, a masterful player based on what we've seen. I think, I think he's really got a gift here. I think he's really, really quite good. We saw him coordinate, what, a nine-person split vote, um, mm-hmm. or eight-person, I guess. Really great. Everyone seems to love him. It's clear the minority views him as the ringleader. He, he's clearly spectacular. Yeah, I think the ways in which he is a strong player just sort of emanates through the screen, which is good because it's not really being presented in his actual story, yeah. I think. I think the reason Deshaun continues to fall, uh, he is third to last, still below Heather. <laughs> um, just like there's there's too many patches for what is clearly a good player. Like, yeah. I mean, we talked about how Luvu was this revolving door of pre-merged targets, but like Deshaun's was really like he looked for an idol once. Otherwise, he was in solid control of Luvu. Yeah. And now he's in a good spot in the majority here. And it doesn't feel like that. Kind of is like... Lauren Beck vibes from uh, 39. That's probably a very good comparison where it's like, you're like, wait a minute, this person's running the game. Why aren't they being shown? Mm-hmm. And it's not that he's invisible. He's been in, in every episode. He's been, I would say, a moderate presence in every episode at the very least. It's just we're not getting that much shine. We're seeing the poor guy had to be on national television, like, sucking the producer's kneecaps about how... It's a new era of Survivor, and I don't know, I just, I don't, I feel like he's going far, mostly because he's really good, to be honest, and he's been in every episode, and so to me, that means he's, my my guess is he's like our Victoria Baymonde, or something like that, or I I guess, uh, or sorry, Lauren Ashley Beck is a good, uh, good comparison, like, I think it's your finale, not finalist boot. Your they want to present them at the final six or whatever as a as a threat that could win and gets toppled. I think Deshaun might be our last boss kind of mm-hmm. kind of character. Um, and I mean, good for him if he's able to get that far. I mean, I think he is quite good. Obviously, we have his story of being like a discipline, dedication, determination thing. Honestly, based on that fire scene from, I think it was episode two, mm-hmm. I think I'm almost sold on Deshaun being our uh, honorary, like, Janet award of, like, he's oh. going to get voted out for being a threat for fire making. So he's no. going to get voted out. I think I'm going to predict five. He's going to come fifth. I think he is the fire making loser. Mm. It feels like I can see, like, it's starting to click, like, the Kara of it all, the Devin of it all. 
like the Lauren of it all. Like it is this like Oh yeah, Lauren was a uh, yeah. They deserved it, but they lost the fire making. Like yeah, I just so they you... still get a little sideline because like they don't want like yeah, cuz let's let's talk about that for a second because let's say cuz I think you're that's a decent point. I think honestly, I would bet fourth or fifth or every other position for Deshaun. Like it's yeah. one of those <laughs> two for me. Um and I think I'm mostly with you. And the reason for that is is there's this weird situation where they need to build them as a genuine contender so that when they go in the fire making, it doesn't feel like a complete waste of time, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like you're watching these two people that don't matter battle over fourth place or, or over third place. But you also don't want them to be too likable or you're going to feel like they were robbed and uh, unfairly eliminated from the game. And so you have to kind of straddle this line narratively of they're really good, but like, do you really want them to win? Like, you want to feel like when they leave, it's like, ah, oh, rats, but I get it. You know, this mm-hmm. other person deserved it more. Yeah, and it's this... a weird line to walk, but Deshaun, in so many words, I, I think perfectly co- um, centers around that concept of good, but not good, but not good enough to be our winner. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm speaking as though it's like the given truth that he'll be the fire making loser. Maybe something else happens. But like, I think what befuddles people like educators about this edit is that it feels like they're doing something subtle. Like they're like, Oh, there's this character who's not always there, but they have a lot of good moments and you kind of like them. So I don't know. They're just there in the background. And so you get your hopes up for this interesting sort of edit and then it always falls by the wayside. So yeah, no, I mean, that was the take for Devin, right? I feel mm-hmm. it's like, okay, there's clear, like, I think that's one thing is that the edge community by and large is pretty darn good at sussing out edit manipulation. But I think sometimes has a tendency to assume that all edit manipulation is the winner. Yeah. And realistically, you know, I, I feel like we 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 kind of tackled that a, a lot in the Edge of Extinction with War Dog. It's like, okay, yeah, there's clearly manipulation going on, but he's not the winner. <laughs> like he's really, really not the winner. It doesn't look like a winner. He just he's his story's getting warped and manipulated. Um I think- I think in general, this season is just like wall-to-wall examples of that. Like, Mm. I mean, looking at who's left, there's so many people who like have a really weird edit, but it's it's not, some of them aren't going to be the winner. So you can very clearly see like, oh, they're doing specific things. Like to go back to Danny, like Danny is very much this like, like weird challenge stuff is going on and like just a leader for Luvu. Like, I don't know. You got to see the ways they're using it that aren't just like (laughs) the winner. Right. Because that's, that's the ultimate question, right? Is when you're evaluating these things, it's okay. So there's manipulation on Danny because he is talking about wanting to lose and then he's not, and then he's a professional athlete and then he's not. But the, the, the answer to that is that they kind of want to like, rust him rust him up a little bit right like mm-hmm. you're right they want to make him look like a hypocrite with Deshaun, they want to make him look an obstacle to topple that's yeah. still manipulation they still have to uh present things in weird ways and do some funny business it's not the same as a winner and i think that uh yeah i mean i don't have to show as low as you i think i'll have him what number six or something like that uh but yeah i have him number six but he's in and eliminated like yeah uh, it's I, I'm not really considering any of those people 
Uh, so not great for him. It's just, I mean, I guess there's a world where he wins, where he, I don't know, never goes to tribal. And if it's a Pagonging or something, whatever, it could still be Deshaun. But I just don't really think that's where the season's going. My guess is he's yeah. probably the best player. Like, I, I, I bet if you asked random sample of these, the players of the season, like, I think you would get a poll showing Deshaun was the best player. Mm-hmm. Him or Shan, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that we both kind of suspect him being a finale, not finalist. Yep. Like, I, I think that sums up exactly where he's going. And yeah, like they want him to be strong enough that Jeff Ropes in earnestness can give a like, you know, the start to every finale episode. It's your mm-hmm. we have Doug, the assassin and Ozzy, the challenge beast. Who, Susie, like, the wild card. Yeah, like, they, they do all those things, and they want to be able to define you in a concept that seems like it could be a formidable threat. Mm-hmm. And that, that, to me, sums up to Sean. He's, he's the whatever they pick for him. The social butterfly, or whatever. The socialist. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, we, we got the loyalists. So. The loyalists, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll just say the social... It's possible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's good for Deshaun. Let's jump here to Erica, who... I, okay, so this is... I, I kind of uh, hinted at this earlier. So, Joe, I still really like Erica. I actually think Erica's probably a very awesome, cool person. They're actually pretty captivating on the beach. As we flagged in our theme season... Or the theme section... There were multiple ideas Erica introduced that I think were extremely captivating and very uh, something like that will resonate with me after this season. Like very uh, thoughtful and interesting person. But Joe, I think Erica may be, and this is my hot take of the episode, I think, might be the worst confessionalist in the history of Survivor. (laughs) Um, She's really not very good at the confessional delivery last week i talked about the likes it's again this week it's every single word is like and it's honestly super distracting i totally get why this person is being sidelined unfortunately that said they are captivating you have a good story to tell they are clearly very smart and very uh intellectual and are able to evaluate survivors concepts on an interesting level it's just they, you know, some of the funniest people I know aren't don't have the best delivery on stage, and so they can't be a comedian, and that's part of it. Like even though they're really funny, you, you catch them randomly, they'll they'll make you laugh and they'll make you smile, but they could never be a stand up comedian. I feel like it's this sort of idea. There's just a lack of delivery that's really distracting and hard to watch. Yeah, I definitely get why. Especially if Erica is talking all the time about this uh, under the radar story, it's very easy to say, "Oh yeah, let's let's just lean into that because uh, that'll help uh, assuage time from Erica that we can put into other um, captivating scenes." So yeah, I, I I really just think that there's an issue with like this is prime time multi multi million dollar production, and, and you have somebody who just every other word is like, and it's there's just no focus in what she's saying. The ideas she gets to are great, and she seems awesome on the beach and everything like that. Like she seems like she's probably a very charismatic and interesting person. It's just the actual confessional delivery is not there, and so I totally get it. 
And yeah. Joe, that's why I loosely have Erica still in contention. I think last <laughs> week I put her barely high, but a little bit on ice. Uh, whereas this week I have her in the same spot, but off the list, like off my actual, what I want to publish kind of feel confident about list. Mm -hmm. I have her number four, and it's mostly out of, if you really had to track it, the foundation is there early on in the premiere. She gets a confessional. It's a decent one. Mm -hmm. uh, she does get one episode in the pre-emerge that's a lot about her and her philosophy. And if they're wanting to not have to wall-to-wall -wall somebody because all their confessionals are full of likes and are a little unfocused, I could see them potentially kind of giving her this story if this is what they end up with, especially if she gets this uh, chance to renew herself at the, at the merge. Said so I'm giving her like 5%. My other three I'm significantly more confident in, and it's just she's kind of lingering there. I was like, ah! If I'm wrong, yeah, maybe it's her. Yeah, I I think I agree a ton with you. She's fifth, but she's like the first eliminated. Um, because I just, uh, I I, mm, <laughs> I know it's really on the cusp there too, where it's like, because I think yeah, it's a very. I get it if this is the story they're going for with Erica. She did have a confessional in the premiere. She had that episode devoted to her. And then a lot of people I saw discussing this episode were like, oh, Erica couldn't even have an episode that was all about her be about her. And I don't I don't think that's true. I think this episode did a lot of I mean, she had the first part of the episode for sure. But then there were little bits where like after the challenge, you could have very easily gone to one of Danny or Deshaun or one of them and been like, wow, this is a big twist for me. What am I going to do? But instead we get Erica being like, I changed history yeah. and now this is my time. And then we get this little scene with her and Ricard just like discussing things, which I thought what stuck out to me. I think it's followed by mm, Shan and uh, Deshaun or Sydney, someone talking. But it is this like obvious point that like Erica's making, trying to do things out there. And I think as long as we get some sense of Erica's moving about in this merge, like she's gonna, like I said last week, she's going to remain here until it's proven otherwise. Like sort of below my actual yeah. contenders. But yeah. yeah, very much in the same boat as you, where like if I'm wrong, like, I would be very interested to see Erica win this season. <laughs> right. And I think part of it is if Evie, like, and this is, this is kind of a sad thing. If Evie was getting Erica's edit, I would not be considering Evie. Mm -hmm. Evie kind of is getting a similar, similar edit to Erica. It's just not, it's to me, it's like, they clearly want to go to Erica, uh, to Evie whenever they can. They don't want to go to Erica unless they have to. And you can tell, um, mm -hmm. And so that, to me, the fact that she's still on the show and she's not Heather means something. The fact that she does get to, in this episode, in this two-part episode, is sort of the story of Erica about how she's on the bottom, how she's neglected by Luvu, how she's the, the lamb who's actually the lion, who then votes with her original tribe. <laughs> like, she is, what's the difference between her and Heather? I don't think there is one on actually what's happening. She was rejected by her original tribe, and we saw that she was onto them, right? Like, that's kind of the story that we're being told, is that she's on the bottom, but she's aware of it, and so now she's going to be cutthroat. And you're like, yeah, like, Arya Stark, like, she's going to Valar Margulis, like, slit some throats, like, stir the badass Erica. And she votes with her original freaking tribe in a split <laughs> vote plan. 
This is not what we're seeing. Like, we're being told she's cooler than she is right now. And to me, that's edit manipulation. And that's something to pay attention to because I don't know why they're doing it. That said, this episode obviously was about her and about her decision. So, again, it could vanish next week, just like I said last week. But I think it makes a whole lot of sense if she's the winner and her story is about how she slits Luvu's throats or whatever to dial her back after she just goes right with them. Like, if that's going to be your story, you have to kind of pull back that during the actual tribal scene. And, like, I mean, yeah, she voted with her tribe, but didn't she vote out Sydney? Or yeah. Like, <laughs> so, like, she still voted out someone from her tribe, which is it's a very Arya Stark way of doing it, not the most straightforward way. So, yeah. I don't know. I think what she needs next episode is sort of to find a place truly in whatever sides are forming and like be like established like, oh, I'm here now. Like, this is where I fit in. Um, And the other thing in her favor, again, I mentioned this last week is modern survivor loves having their winners repeat themselves over and over again. Uh, I think she's only ever had confessionals where she mentions being a wolf or lion or whatever. I never want to hear it again. Like, I like it's insufferable, but it was in this episode again. Mm-hmm. The lamb to the lion. Yeah, so it, I mean, it clearly matters. I think Eric is going to be a main character. Uh, my guess is we actually do see that version of Erica that is Arya Stark esque. Like, you know, is going to be slid in throats, maybe is a more prominent character. And they've realized that it's almost like a Dean situation. You can't introduce them too late. Like, the audience needs to know who she is now, pronto, so that when she is doing those things, it isn't, who is this person? It's, mm-hmm. okay, her story restarts with Merge, and now they're going to continue to show us her being badass, even though she wasn't this week. Yeah. She's still the lamb, right? Like, <laughs> if you were to edit this authentically, it's, they thought I was nothing, I'm just a lamb, I'm a sweet little girl, and I'm still that you know <laughs> that's not that captivating mm-hmm. still waiting to be a wolf or a lion or whatever um yeah. but i i don't know i still like her i feel like i've been pretty harsh but i do think that it's just they're probably she's just somebody that you can't cut well you know some people are able to say so much with just a sentence that an editor can crop that sentence out and put it anywhere and erica has a lot of great ideas but she's just very verbose like it's it's a lot of um ands and complimentary complimentary sentences and likes and Mm. it'd be very hard to chop it into a cogent confessional and i think that's (laughs) a big reason why uh she's just not there even though she does have good ideas because i think oftentimes when you mean bad confessionalist do you mean like has no good ideas you're thinking like a a cory brooks from big brother or someone who just has has no no thoughts that's not erica erica is <laughs> actually very captivating it's just erica doesn't suit a 44 minute show where they can only give people 20 seconds wow tonight we wanted to attack cory brooks from big brother 17 <laughs> 18, 18, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good, like, it's not like a, I don't know, like a Butch in Survivor Amazon, where it just, Mm -hmm. what does Butch think about anything? I don't know. He talks about wood. You know, it's... (laughs) It's a, it's just a delivery thing, because Erica's actually, I think, very interesting. Like, Erica would probably be a good podcast host. Mm-hmm. Is not good chopping up in a small, small section. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Erica, for me, I don't know where she's going to go. I, I think she's a main character, though. And 
maybe that's the losing finalist. Maybe it's she gets there and she's not good. Like she made these radical changes to her game following the merge. Maybe the jury decides that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's seventh place and it's an honorable exit. Either way, I think we will leave this season not viewing Erica as a <laughs> as a invisible person. Like I think it will be like an, a, an important factor in the season. Maybe I think my hot take. Erica will be on the DVD cover. Let me think real quick. Nah, I think there's too many spots already filled up. Yeah, I, I, it's a hot take. It is <laughs> and it, like looking at the actual numbers, and the, there's only what six on a DVD cover. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm confident, but like I, I think I'm gonna stick with it. I, I'm gonna stick with it that she will be in a, a person that matters. Uh, and when you think of Survivor 41, no theme, you will think of Erica to some degree. I don't even know what that's. Gonna gonna mean my guess is she is gonna be an Arya Stark figure of you know murdering the the folks who wronged her um got her list and maybe it's Luvu uh it's not super congruent with how she voted this week but you know mm-hmm. yeah there's so much yasa to stick on that dvd cover <laughs> yeah no you're right there's this problem like to me okay gun to my head dvd cover i think it's shan it's Tiffany. It's Xander. Liana. It's, Liana. it's Evie. It's Erica. Boom. That's your that's your six. Uh, mm, I think that last spot goes to Nasir or Ricard. Or Deshaun. <laughs> or Deshaun. <laughs> but we haven't seen the rest of the season, Joe, so we don't know. We don't know. Um, that's just where I, I don't know. That's my prediction. I think there's some locks. Like, Shan's on the DVD cover, you know? <laughs> but um, Shan could leave, go back in time again and leave at second or whatever. And, you know, Shan's still going to be yeah. uh, there. But, yeah, I mean, I guess good on Erica for it. It didn't seem like people were mad at her. It didn't seem like people were upset. Mm-hmm. I don't get why she voted her original tribe. I feel like that was a mistake, but what do I know? <laughs> so I guess that's good for Erica. And that brings us here to Evie, who I thought had a really great episode. If you are an Evie, like, truther, I think that you could probably get a lot of evidence here that would make you confident in Evie, right? See, and last week I was I was getting ready to be an Evie truther, and I don't know. At first I saw the merit in what they were doing this episode, and I don't know, it still just doesn't all add up. A lot of this episode revolved around Xander and Tiffany's perspectives of it, and it didn't feel as strongly for Evie there, and then that made me think of how like the relationship with Deshaun was treated and i don't know it just in the end it still didn't add up and yeah i have them below erica so yeah i have i have every below erica as well part of that's that i'm i mean moderately high on erica i think <laughs> but i think part of that is i mean i i've been kind of a out on heavy person for multiple weeks like honestly since episode what three um mm-hmm. where i just kind of stopped buying the buying the Evie stock completely. Uh, But, I mean, I think Evie showed this week why Evie's a really good character. Uh, Mm -hmm. I really, really liked the scene where uh, Evie was talking about how they wouldn't have saved Xander, whereas, like, you know, like, how how much that means was really great. Evie's a fantastic character. Uh, mm. It kind of sucks that Evie, I think, I think Evie's going to leave next week. Like, I really think Evie might be screwed. Uh, just because it's still, there's no story. There's no narrative thread other than that they really like Survivor and they want to be there. That, unfortunately, to me, is code of a tragic boot. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's code for we're going to be really, really sad when Evie leaves uh, because, you know, Evie's a captivating character and all that. But mm-hmm. not good for Evie's long-term chances, right? Like, if your story's so tied in being kind of, like, motivational or, like, look how much I care, I feel like it's not great. Yeah, I said... I said earlier that I kind of saw past the Evie boot here this episode, but like it still felt right. Like this could be the time it happened. And yeah, I think I agree that like next episode could be just as likely for them to go. So yeah, no, it seems like Shan and like to Shan's credit, like great work. Shan has identified that, you know, Evie is her primary threat. You know what I mean? Like in terms of being like a really strong, scary strategist, like Evie is the is the other threat there. Like great job on Shan for noticing that. Um, but does not bode well for Evie. Because I think that even though I'm not as high as I was on Shan uh, as a winner this season, I am still extremely high on her ability to win friends and influence people. And Evie, I feel like, is somebody that would win Survivor in a lot of the other seasons when when a Shan isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was if you think about it, Shan was very much going for Evie this episode, and it's just by literally a shot in the dark that it did not happen. So if Shan has all that ammunition and a full majority alliance to make it happen, yeah, not looking good. <laughs> right, no, for sure. Um, because yeah, I mean, as we've seen in this season, it's it's pretty clear Shan more or less gets what she wants here Mm -hmm. um and yeah abby is like shan's done a great job like realizing that abby's a threat knows the game like can manipulate people like it's it's wild that shannon was able to ba- basically steal liana from abby like unfortunately abby mm-hmm. i think just got a little bit out out maneuvered and yeah. i think that's the thing about the people in the minority alliance right now is that logically it's such a big stretch to imagine them making the end that it really drags all of them down for me right well i don't totally agree uh, as we'll get to <laughs> later but uh. um i do th- and also honestly one of them i'm like i don't know how this happens I really don't. But uh, with Evie, I think that what might happen is Evie may be your, you know, the minority needs to cut one because nobody wants to bring four people to eight. But maybe they can bring three people to eight, you know? Uh, I think one of them's got to go before it's like a palatable group to work with. Because mm-hmm. you don't, you know what I mean? Like right now they're at what? Uh, 12, 11? 11. So they're at 11. So, I mean, you can only bring a group of four, one, two votes tops. Yeah. And they have an extra vote. So you can really only bring them one vote if mm-hmm. you're going to flip. So you kind of got to ditch one of them. So to me, my read would be, how does that be? How does like, how does this not turn into which of the four to take out next week? Um, and how does it not end up being heavy? I, I feel like that's very, very likely. Um, but that said, I mean, I think I've seen a resurgence of Evie believers on the old internets and I, I actually totally get where they're coming from. It's yeah. Evie. You'd think was sort of secondary character at this point. Shockingly, uh, but the issue is that, uh, you know, Evie should be the main character. I think if Evie wins, it would be a much more coronation-style win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd be sidelining Evie like this. And I actually think that despite that being a frequent thing, is like the winner's often like the third most visible player or whatever. 
Uh, with Evie, I feel like if Evie won, they would be the most visible player. Yeah, Evie's often been like the like sixth most visible player yeah. in an episode. And they clearly love them. You know what I mean? Like the editors clearly love Evie. And yeah. the fact that they aren't the first or second or third or whatever is not good. Uh, it's not it, because they could be. The other thing that's bad is that, I mean, Liana says that uh, Abby is a safe, not risky player. I don't think that's very good for Abby either. Yeah, unless they turn it around really quick. And make yeah, uh, great. We kind of saw that here, right? Like, Abby is, I think, gets some shine on her, uh, you know, badge or whatever for this flip. But is it's not enough, I don't think. It's... I feel like this is more Xander's move than anything. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. And the, the biggest issue for me is there's just... Evie doesn't have a story other than maybe Burning Too Bright or... Uh, I, I'd be still getting content that anybody could get for the most part. Or is directly related to her in that moment, plot-wise. Like, mm, yeah, they were all about the Yasa underdogs, which, once again, not true, but also now is, like, fractured irreparably. Yeah. So. Granted, I mean, if if the final three is Evie, Lee, uh, sorry, Evie, Tiffany, and Xander, I mean, that still works. Like, yeah. you know, if Leon is, a, is the Judas or whatever. I just do not think, this. I do not think this is a FOA FOA. I, I think this is a... Mm-hmm. They're the underdogs and maybe the complex tribe, but I don't think it's going to be... Like, I don't think there's going to be three of them in the final five or whatever. Yeah. I think there might be one of them in the final five. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, no. Um, But yeah, other than that, I mean, any other thoughts on Evie? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, So let's jump to Heather, who I have so many thoughts about, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think of Heather this week? <laughs> It's just such a riddle. Like, what what happened with Heather? Like, does she quit? I think I'm of the I think she's getting medevac, Joe. I really do. <laughs> like, uh, I just... <laughs> and then in that case, um, Julia from season 38, Edge of Extinction, posted a lot about how Heather's edit looks, especially given her edit as well, which was also under the radar, but not this bad, honestly. <laughs> um, it's just, it is like this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I think, like, I think I've been watching a lot of, like, YouTube videos about Survivor, and it just makes me want to go back and, like, watch some of these earlier seasons, if for nothing more else to see, like, okay, what did Butch Lockley really look like? Or what did, like, Mick Brown, like, the actual who we consider the under the radar characters of those early seasons was it this bad or like even rancher rick who has i think a very similar trajectory with heather like was he this under edited like it really feels like they've hit those extremes where to give other people the sort of confessional room they need to tell stories they just completely slight others yeah i mean i think i'm on a different side of you here where honestly joe if heather's given nothing i don't know if she is or not maybe maybe she's the greatest ever i don't know if she's not given anything i mean they got 40 four minutes a week uh i don't need her saying the sun's out or whatever like if, if it's gonna be completely pointless content like i think we see every season some people get just like content that anybody could have said like the challenge was hard and the sun's hot or uh survivor's a strategic game like we get those confessionals i don't want those confessionals anymore like the sh- the people watching the show get it like get them out of here which means like we've kind of talked about like in other 
points as a highlight, less confessionals were in this episode. I think that's a good thing. I think Survivor mm-hmm. was over-relying on confessionals for a long time, and you can get a whole lot more from people talking. Um, that said, I mean, Heather also isn't talking, I think, is the issue. Uh, I'd like to see why, even just something about why she trusts her tribe. It, it, just something like that would be fine to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't need a ton of Heather content. I think there's a lot of people calling for like equal confessionals or something. And I, I, I think that's outlandish. Like I would, I don't think I would want to watch a show where everybody got the exact same amount of content personally. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like, I, I don't know, like it does depend on what they're given. If Heather's completely irrelevant, I still think maybe a little bit more. I don't think that you need a ton more though. And I think that might be where I differ from a lot of people. Like I get yeah. TV production's hard. And every time Heather speaks, it's a moment Shan isn't talking. It's a moment Evie isn't talking. It's a moment Deshaun isn't talking. And if Heather is going to lose viewers flipping through channels and Shan's going to bring in viewers flipping through channels, what what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess all of that's fair. I just, I feel like I can sense some sort of magic within Heather behind what we're seeing. And I just wish we could see more of that strewn throughout. Even if it is, the sun is out and we're going fishing. Right, and I mean, I think that's totally fair too. I mean, and we really don't know. Heather could be the best player who's ever played. And we have no idea. We, I think our instinct is to say that maybe she's playing safe or whatever, but we actually have not enough information to know what type of player she is, right? Mm. Like she could be extremely bossy and pushy and pushing her agenda and come up with the blind sides or whatever. I mean, other than she hasn't gone to tribal, but also fun fact, I think Heather is going to end up being one of the most um, immune players of all time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just to me, I don't think people getting invisible is, is the end of the world, but I do think I might be the minority on the Survivor fandom on that. She has a perfect voting record so far, so... She does. And, I mean, I also think you do see, like, so I guess to slightly defend my side, like, I think you do see oftentimes, like, I'll talk to people before this week who are, like, quote-unquote Survivor super fans, and they would say things like, Liana's been invisible this season. Like, doesn't have enough content. And I'm like, well, no, Liana's talking constantly in every episode, more or Mm -hmm. less, right? Like, Liana's one of the more visible characters of the season. And before this week, people were saying, uh, maybe even last week, people were saying, like, oh, she's not very visible. And she was. She was getting a lot of content. And it's clear that didn't translate into um, people thinking they they, they were a, a force that mattered, right? So if, like... If Liana was seen by so many people as not visible, even though they were talking a ton, and, like, is Heather getting a confessional every week going to change what people view of Heather? Like, no, they'll still say she's invisible, even if she does get content. People aren't that bright, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's honestly a really good point, though, is that I think the way people who make edgic charts look at this is so much more equally than someone who turns on the TV every Wednesday just to watch something. It's so, like... I very clearly notice when, like, there are, like, tan under-the-radar bars across my across Heather's mm-hmm. bar, and, like, the confessional numbers aren't there. But you're right, other people... And it's like, I don't even have a show that I watch that I do 
what other people are doing with Survivor with it. That's just because I think my mind is so like spreadsheet oriented stat, like stat oriented. That's how I just view television. But like, yeah, there are people who like just see a swath of characters and for them, they're, it's like for them, they're definitely main and secondary characters like any other TV show. Whereas I think I see this as like, oh, every person is a person who had a a roughly equal shot of winning this game at the beginning. And now it's like diverged, but they're still all people. Right. And no, so... I, you even see this in like, uh, I feel like this is the season of us bringing up Big Brother comparisons, but like seasons of Big Brother where there's like a very dominant, boring path almost always do better ratings than seasons with like, you know, it's anybody's shot. Like Big Brother 16 did way better in TV viewership than 17 or mm. Redemption Island was a rating success. Uh, yeah. Like people actually buy like the seasons where there is a very clear main character actually survivor samoa is what brett brought life back to the franchise it was a super successful season season of television ratings wise mm-hmm. and that's russell talking almost wall-to-wall for 12 episodes yeah like the the average survivor viewer wants something different than the uh hardcore fans and i think it's something and, and honestly i think the hardcore fans oftentimes want something different than they, than they think they do um like how many how many survivor fans love survivor gabon it's like 50 50 you still see a lot of people hate it and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty even yeah that's very true as well. So, um, I, I don't know. I think it's more nuanced. Like, I think it's uh, kind of the Steve Jobsian thing of, like, you know, sometimes people don't really know what they want. Um, but I, I might be wrong. Who knows? Maybe Heather's great. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, further evidence. <laughs> Sorry to have so many thoughts here on Heather. <laughs> but uh, I think, by and large, the average viewer actually does know who Heather is. Heather loves the show, has been watching her whole life, has a family. Mm-hmm. Is like a strong family figure, is tightly with Luvu, is really bad at challenges, but yeah, is inspiring. I think people will know who yeah. she is. I think that I think I think you'd be surprised that my guess is that if you polled people two weeks ago, people might have a stronger concept of who Heather is than Liana was, based on my uh my research of talking to random people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true too. Um yeah, it's just I think we kind of want there's an urge for them to like do the same level of treatment with every character yeah and they don't but it's still it still makes characters who you can write a little blurb about them like as though they were like a secondary character on their wikipedia page like heather aldra was in survivor and she was on the lulu tribe and yeah you just say everything you just said about her yeah no 100 percent. and i think like part of this i think comes back to just like we're a community that counted sentences and stuff like that like how many other shows do you count sentences for of how many you know what i mean not that many people do it that much so i think it's important to remember like by and large pe- people do have a concept of who heather is probably i don't think she is this completely outsider person you know it's i think it's a, it's a little bit more complex than that i think they actually did a pretty good job like she was not only a part of that like reward challenge she's also part of the the most impressive teamwork victory of all time in the history of survivor like the quote-unquote casuals remember that stuff and that's what they'll remember more than a bunch of confessionals where people are talking about nothing that doesn't stick yeah yeah so that's heather uh well we didn't i would like to talk about her winner chances oh sure as futile as that seems but like heather's eight out of 11 which as we mentioned that puts her above deshaun danny and someone else 
to be discovered. Um, but I think what Heather's sort of spot on this list represents is like the the potential of Heather and the archetype of Heather winning with this edit is like somehow still higher than the archetype of like a Danny or Deshaun winning with the edit they have. Or no, the story- I think that's actually a good take. Yeah, no, like it's <laughs> it's almost like some how nothing is better than bad. Uh-huh. And I think it's like, at the very least, the content Heather has gotten has been tremendously positive. Yes. So you're not walking away yet and saying like, I, I don't want, I don't not want to see Heather win. Because I, from what right. I've been told, I should like her. So Right. In many ways, my whole like underdog, bad winner kind of mentality should probably make me consider Heather more, right? Every time she's on screen, <laughs> it's absurdly positive. It's like the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's just it happens twice. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's but every time she is there, it's very positive. You even get people talking about how much they like her and stuff like that. So like it's not it's really not that bad. There's been significantly more invisible and irrelevant characters in the history of survivor um and yeah i mean i i actually kind of like exactly what you're saying it's it, heather's almost like the barometer for like if you're below heather it's like a really bad you know mm-hmm. but that said i mean flash to four weeks from now or whatever if the story is heather won because she was nice and so she won I don't think I would be super surprised if Heather beat a, I don't know, a Ricard and a... <laughs> uh, I could see Heather beating Ricard and Tiffany. Mm, be, I'm, I'm here. I'm just here for if Heather wins too. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm glad Heather is sort of soaking up the bias of, like, the person I want to see most win for, like, chaos reasons. Yeah. Like, because... No, she's a fun of... one to root for because she does seem mm-hmm. kind of quirky and fun too. Yeah. Um... She's just sort of sitting there in the chaos of the live tribal, like smiling and just being like, oh, I, I can barely get up the words for what I want to say. I thought it was so funny that you couldn't even see her in the huddle. Like <laughs> she wasn't even there. And I mean, it's kind of funny as well. Like if we're going to chart her whole story. Um, also, I can't believe we talked this long about Heather, but uh, like her first line with Jeff is like, I've been watching this show with my boyfriend, and then he became my husband, now I watch it with my kids, and now you watch it from the island, uh, <laughs> because you're not really involved. Like, I think it's kind of a funny, cheeky story that I think they're going for. I think is probably intentional. It's really mean, but it's... Mm. Yeah. But no, I think... I don't know. I feel really proud of the discussion we just had on Heather for someone who I think spoke about one sentence in this episode. <laughs> did, did she speak a sentence? Like she had her little talk about like while the life tribal was going on. She's like, I I don't know. This is so exciting. I can't even get my words right. Oh yeah. And she wasn't even she wasn't even shown on camera, right? It was like not until the very end. <laughs> yeah. No, that was absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Heather. Let's jump to our girl, Liana. Uh, I've, okay, Joe, I feel like I saw the internet sour on Liana this week after not knowing who she was last week and getting like, she doesn't have, so many of my friends were like, ah, she doesn't have enough. Like, she's not even there to being like, and par- part of it, I was like, well, I'm dignified that, you know, Liana is a main character. Mm-hmm. I think at the very least, we did an amazing yeah. job sussing that out um that's an i was um but i got some discounted fare but uh I, I don't really know what people are expecting she had a big episode where she made a big move that didn't work 
how do you possibly edit this that it's like a glowing Liana thing? I think you would tell the story of how somebody doesn't want to be disrespected anymore and wants to push themselves forward, even if it's risky. I feel like that's what we saw. Like we saw her talk about how it's a risk and it's it's gonna have to cause blood. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like this totally tracks with everything we've seen of Liana. I don't think there's any contradictions here. I, I'm kind of surprised people. And I think you are in this bow, right? Uh, <laughs> of folks that have abandoned Liana. And I, to me, I'm like, I'd still take Liana over every single other person except one. <laughs> okay. So, yes, Liana's not my contenders list anymore, but she's third. Okay, and yeah, it's just, she just barely fell off. And I think it is, it is truly very tricky because you look at this episode and I think you see this awful, like, downfall of Liana. And you're like, oh, yeah, this was so bad. It's also, like, maybe this is what it was all building to. Like, it makes sense for her to need to be a character you know about before this happens to some extent. And and maybe it's just all being built up for this. And you have the stuff about the million dollar mistake. Oh, wow. That adds so nicely to this. But then it's like in that buildup, Liana is painted so favorably. Uh-huh. Like this CPN5 comes off a CPP3 and a CPP4. Like, I think she's M mixed here. Yeah. Mm, I could see it. But like, yeah, there's this like, we were rooting for Liana, I yeah. think, more than anything. And yeah, I think the thing I need to see is Liana herself very clearly bouncing back from this and rerouting yeah. her game. But I, it's a definite blow like a lot of these things feel like things people can easily bring up at a final tribal council and say liana this is why we're not voting for you so so yeah right i don't know i because i do like the five tier system outside of like just my contenders list where it's like dark green is the best contenders and red means you're eliminated and then there's like a light green yellow and an orange in between and i was like how far did liana fall because she was dark green like top of the top last week and i think i have her as yellow like i'm just not sure yeah go either way (laughs) so despite my mini rant from before i think i'm actually closer to being aligned with you than i thought (laughs) where this was a bad episode for Liana. Not in the way that I think a lot of people are saying. I don't think it's bad in the, they made her look so, like, I feel like people are saying, like, they made her look stupid. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's a move that didn't work out. Like, we've seen this before. They, you can't edit. Like, how do you, if, if, like, I'm sorry, but if she came in, in here and was like, this is the greatest move I've ever done, and then they mm-hmm. hype that up somehow, that this is the best move ever made, not using advantage properly, like, she'd be the most obvious winner of the, in, in the entire world, and everybody would be, like, rolling their eyes. You know what I mean? It would be, y- you can't edit something obviously not working well, yeah. you know? Like, so instead you hype up the, the motivation, and I think that's there. So all that, I think, is hogwash. But I do think what lowers her in percentage for me is that this could be the end of her story, uh, is, mm-hmm. is the issue. It's it's actually that this is too positive. This is this could be kind of summed up in why Liana should have got rid of Xander. Um, yeah. And, and that be the, that kind of be the end of it, right? Like, this could be your big moment. Chris Noble was a big character in Ghost Island and was a main character. And then he's gone at the merge. And that's just kind of how the dice roll and that's my fear for liana is she needs a mia, mia culpa for act two because act one just ended here 
the story from how Liana uh, was Evie and Tiffany's sidekick who eclipsed them uh, and then eclipsed Shan as a dominant player. So the the almost similar to Erica, like the lamb who's actually the 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 lion. The issue is now she is she has evolved. You know what I mean? Like she's a Charmeleon now. Uh, <laughs> to her uh, Charmander before can does she have a story about turning into a Charizard or is this how Charmeleon gets voted out at eighth or ninth or something like that? That's what we need to see change. Um, is is actually she just needs to progress in some way. She needs a new story because. The, the old one's gone. It was a really good story about how she wanted to make a big move. She wanted to make a risk. She didn't want to play. Uh, she didn't want to play safe. That's all. That's all been resolved. And that to me is the biggest reason for her drop. It's actually that it's, it was almost too positive in that episode for what happened because it was a, a closing of a chapter, and that means she needs a new one. We didn't really get the new one, but I, I don't think you, you could really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that lingers, the only plot thread lingering, is still this Tiffany. Versus Liana and Liana versus now Evie and now Liana. It's it's really Liana versus Yasa, uh, is the is the story. Maybe she comes out on top on that, but I'm not sure. And that's my biggest reservation on Liana. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing is that she's so secure for the immediate future. It's how much she sort of sinks into that majority alliance and just becomes a number as mm-hmm. opposed to being a figurehead of it. Um, but yeah, the thing that kind of rang in my head was you talking about how when we talk about risk, like, oh, someone is going to make a really big risk and that person could be Liana. And then it happened. And it was like, oh, gosh, like if risk is such a big part of the story and you have this big moment of risk like maybe that's it for liana she's just the the person it focuses around but yeah we nailed liana's story like from like episode one you know what i mean like we tracked that to perfection i think mm-hmm. the issue is it paid off way earlier than i think either of us expected and that means something that said it also means something that liana is the most visible character of the season now uh and maybe maybe it's Tiffany, but it's between them. <laughs> and that's kind of wild. Leon's more visible than Shan. Leon's more visible than everybody else in this episode. Mm-hmm. That that means something. Yeah. And I don't know. I think if we're kind of right about a Yasa complex tribe, but then Liana like flips on it almost immediately in the merge. Like, I don't know, that kind of makes sense for why they needed to show them together, but then have this split. The biggest thing is that Liana's sort of, like, breaking this, like, underdog spirit in a way. Yes. So. Yeah, Liana, I think, no longer would super fit my underdog winner thing. Mm-hmm. I think Liana's being presented as the biggest player in the season. Uh, and that is not congruent at all with what I've been saying, I think. It may, may be true, maybe on the beach or something, but like Liana is like Shan talks about Liana now. Like Shan is Liana's sidekick, and I think we would not have expected that to be the case coming in. Yeah. So I don't know. To me, Liana needs a story either a mea culpa of how the risk didn't pay off, but she's glad she did it anyway. I think would even be acceptable, or because you know playing hard is better than not playing at all, or. Uh, maybe it's a story of how that now she learns to be more careful or something. It, it, there needs to be a second act um, because yeah, this paid off way faster. Like Chekhov's shotgun blew up in the middle of the in the middle of the play, and what does that mean? Does does the shotgun transform or not? Is the question. <laughs> 
And that said, I mean, I was very, I mean, I think that people have been pretty harsh to Liana. I'm sorry. Like, like I said earlier, if, if you think that you would have acted any differently with what happened other than Shan releasing your advantage, I, and other than Liana telling Tiffany exactly what it was, like, I'm sorry. There's no, like she rebounded from that bad situation as best as she possibly could. Like, there's no world where you are playing, you're going to take it from Tiffany. That's like that's you being biased and not realizing it if, if that's your take in my opinion my my like bit of backseat survivor was like if you have to use it now like i don't know because everyone knows which i think is maybe one of the bigger driving forces that we didn't see is like i think liana just realized that everyone knew and so it's smarter to just get it out rather than hang on to it like if if that's the case like just steal nasir's idol <laughs> Like, why why not just do that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it's so easy to be like, oh, Liana, that's a fake idol. But I know if I were there and, like, Xander had it, I'd be like, oh, that's the idol. Like, this right. is easier than I thought. And then... <laughs> that said, I do think there is some, some sloppiness. Like, I thought the... So wait, you're going to con- maintain possession of it all the way till Tribal? Like, when she was talking to Xander, I thought was... Like, Abby did a really good job of kind of roasting uh, Liana. Like, okay, this girl is shady. She's lying to us. Uh, And then you cut to Liana being like, so, Xander, are you going to hold the idol all the way to tribal? (laughs) Oh, wow, interesting. And then she's like, oh, Abby, um, so, like, you don't think he's going to pass it to you? Or, like... But that said, I mean, there's probably so many other conversations happening that, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you still have to ask those questions, right? Like, you have to try to figure out. That's doing, doing, I don't know. I feel like while that was a little cringy, I just, I I think the fact that that, that we know that they know she's flipped is such an important fulcrum point. <laughs> she thinks they're slightly annoyed she didn't tell them about an advantage. Not that they've realized she's flipped to the other side. Mm-hmm. That's the missing missing ingredient there. Yeah. Which is a huge, huge area of discrepancy, right? Like, slightly annoyed versus actively going to steal your idol to vote you out <laughs> is, like, I, I totally get where Liana thinks, okay, they're annoyed with me, but not that much. I told Tiffany the truth, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's Liana. She's number two for me. Um, she's a, she, honestly, she's a, I'm giving her 25%. Uh, it's, it, she did go down. Uh, so, so strong on your number one. That's yeah. So I'm very, very like, I'm like this episode. I mean, it, we'll get there, but let's jump here to Nasir who not a great episode for Nasir. Nasir also dropped for me, but he's still lingering there. Honestly, <laughs> Loki, the next time on gave me more Nasir hype than anything mm-hmm. else. And the scene of him being caught in the middle. Uh, obviously, Nasir was just like not really in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think typically you look at a merge episode and be like, oh my gosh, but Nasir didn't have anything. This is terrible. But I don't know. I hang on because it still, it still works with his general edit, which has been pretty low-key so far anyway. And there were these little moments of him being involved. Like, definitely that moment where he's between the two sides. And then, yeah, I also think the next time on sort of gives me hope for like, especially when this like two-episode bit was not technically the merge maybe they're really buying into that and there's like a bit like where the first merge boot is next well again this is a mini rant time but like the reason that like the the reason the merge episode is important is not because it's the merge episode it's because it's a new time for people to start the next phase of their story (laughs) right it's there's there's a change that has happened and they're interacting with different people 
And so it would logically make sense to check in with your main characters on where they're going now, yeah. right? It's not that it's the merge episode and they're like, oh, well, we got to give them a CP here. It's, <laughs> uh, they've met new people. Maybe that matters to know who they like. Yeah, I feel like I say, like, I do this every season and then you have to, like, reiterate this point because I, like, always forget. But yeah, you're totally right. Like, it's just not, like, a requirement. Especially for this where it feels like the lines fell pretty quickly and they also may not be the lines that are established going forward. Yeah, and I mean... I, I think he was in last week a lot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he did clarify his position. Yeah. Like, to me, Nasir is a whole lot more like, this makes sense if it was a two-hour episode or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Nasir's not whatever. He had his big one last week where he, he uh, was talking about being included in things. And he had a, he had a pretty good episode last week. I, I don't think it matters at all for him. It's just, to me, it's just honestly my number one shot up higher. And I, I think it's just, I don't know. To me, the the world where Nasir wins, it's a robbery, to be honest. Like, I don't think Nasir's winning in a, you're super amazed by his win. I think he would be your Fabio-style winner. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just running out of people that he would beat. And that, to me, is the issue. It's like, I could have seen Nasir beat Sydney. It's really bad for him that Sydney's no longer in the game. Um, <laughs> that Honestly, that's, I think, one of the big drivers there for me lowering him. He, he's still number three for me. Um, but again, it's mostly like I, I could see him robbing people in the end, uh, and there being a debate about what is Nasir, like who is this guy being like a, a driver of the final tribal. The issue there is that could also be a losing finalist very easily, like his favorite survivor player of all time, Phil Shepard. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that is Nasir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like him. I think he's very funny. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like whenever he's on the show. <laughs> but I mean, a, a negative would be he didn't get to mention not being immune anymore. You'd think Nasir would be quite upset, similar to Danny. You know, he he's all about the challenges. I think even more than Danny's all about the challenges. I mean, maybe that's that's shielding. Like you don't want to show Nasir angry. I also yeah. think. Like, it was interesting how they very quickly showed why he was safe and sort of got that yeah. out of the way. So. Yeah, no, it was literally Ricard saying he's got the idol. Uh, yeah. So he's safe. <laughs> Efficient storytelling. And honestly, I saw so many people online having like these debates about why Nasir didn't get voted out. I'm like... I thought the show actually did a pretty good job of showing he's got the idol. They're not even considering it. They don't want to have two idols played in Deshaun Goes. Yeah. Yeah. So you go this year. Um, let's jump to, and I did think it was kind of funny that he was kind of in the middle. He was maybe in the <laughs> wrong group and they're like, wait a minute, where's this year? And he's actually like the swing vote was <laughs> kind of, kind of beautiful, but mm-hmm. um, let's jump to Ricard King of foot stacking. Yeah. That looked really hard. I don't think I could do a very good job. Oh yeah. Like I feel like you'd have to, like you have to ha- be like, have a very strong core. Uh, and yeah, poor Tiffany and Ricard basically being neck and neck at the end there, deciding who goes home, right? I, I think if yeah. Sydney wins, Ricard leaves. If Ricard wins, Sydney leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ricard's in last place for me. He is no. the lowest of the lowest beneath Heather. Um, yeah, please, like this episode, like if you don't know, if you don't believe now, like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I, we're isn't watching he this still episode. very high, I think, on. <laughs> most polls like i feel like you see him still ranking and i'm with you i think i have him uh second last third last but yeah like it's really bad it's it's really dire uh he's got almost nothing going on for him mm-hmm. uh i just checked the actual 
uh, our Edric, and it looks like, oh no, he's sixth on there. Okay, um, he's starting to fall. Yeah, he's starting to fall. I think he's way higher before. Like, they they don't want to show him. Like, yes. <laughs> he's like, the, like, with Heather, you can get it, maybe. Ricard is, like, this is, a, if Malcolm was here, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially with the strategist of Ua, and now yeah. in this very complicated merge tribal, we saw none of him. We saw him I... like suggest ideas such as Nasir can't be voted out because he has an idol. Yeah, he wasn't even really there last week either. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, other than to bicker with, like, from the merge onwards, like, yeah, he was there in that scene with Shan when that that's the only person she could talk to. Mm-hmm. Right after that, he has vanished completely. <laughs> he was going to get voted out here, right? I mean, may- maybe not. I guess that's a little bit of editorializing, but he's probably getting voted out here if he didn't win immunity. We got yeah. none of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I, I think he's so beyond dead. It's it's not even funny. Um, I, I'd love... like. I feel like we don't usually with our feedback and emails and everything like that. We usually get, you know, what about, um, like I, we got a lot of feedback like, Oh, maybe, maybe Shan, here's an argument for Shan or whatever. When I was a little bit more negative. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear why people are still considering Ricard. Cause I really truly do not see it. Uh, I feel like I, I, I don't know where it's coming from. Cause he's clearly good at the game. He, mm-hmm. it was the, he, he's got such a good underdog story and we don't even really know who he's with. Just that we we know what group he's aligned in, like that yeah. he's not with he's not with the awesome people. So, but we don't know where he fits in. We we know him and Shan have a bickering, but that wasn't has not been addressed since the merge. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, we just got to this merge and immediately Liana and Shan dropped their like previous tribes and just like glued to one another. <laughs> But Liana's old friends love each other, and Ricard just has nobody. Yeah. He's just still kind of with Shan, if you read through the lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but very much like a a number to Shan now. Yeah. No, it's like he got content because he was the only person Shan could talk to, it seems like. (laughs) Which sucks, because I really like him, and I think he's a... He, I think he's a better character than they're giving. And maybe he's the counterexample to what I was just saying about Heather. Um, where I do actually really like him and want more content from him. Uh, and may, maybe maybe that's that, that's an optimistic sign for Heather. But yeah, it's just, it's clear he doesn't matter. And he's going to leave in some irrelevant way. Or maybe be a losing finalist. Like, I could see him being our Troy Zan. Mm, I think he goes pretty soon. That would be my, re- my read as well. Yeah, I think probably we lose a Yasa next episode. And then maybe Ricard right after. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. Like, poor guy. It's, he's just been like, he's just like, you know, it, it's almost like you picture that huddle and he's like, they're all like interlocked and he's kind of like trying to push his way in or whatever. It's just, he's so periphery. It's, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you're right, for somebody who was kind of being presented as a villain or a, a main character, honestly, at times, it, yeah. it, it's, gone mm-hmm. like, imagine if malcolm was just not here at the merge <laughs> like the guy just survived to two people yeah like he's easily the like we've said this a bunch but it's easily the least visible of every person of the our of all our people that made it to to the final two of a tribe yes. by far and only one of those people won sure but even three like i feel like he's biting that right there with natalie white uh but even for is what four people going into the merge Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I don't get it. 
I, it's not like he's going to win a better jury. <laughs> like he's, that's the other thing. He's, he's, he's in the wrong archetype too. Mm-hmm. He's your puppet master string pulling guy, not yeah. your come from behind winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not not a fitting edit, which I've been saying the whole time. <laughs> like, Ricard does not fit his edit. They do not match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think either of us have ever had him. Right? I I feel like we were completely off the Ricard train from pretty early on. And, and... Yeah, because I think I was looking at his sort of trajectory when I put him last this time. And yeah, the highest I think he's ever been for me is I had him seventh in episode three. And by then I was already pretty low on his chances. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, poor guy. I mean, I hope he, like, I hope he gets to pull off a big move or something. You know what I mean? Like, I hope he gets his due in the season. I'm scared he won't to be honest. Mm-hmm. I almost hope he outplaces Shan and maybe that's his big moment or something like that. He, I, I really do think there's a good chance they're going to leave back to back. But so. yeah, I don't know. Poor Ricard. I mean, I want to see him more. He might, I think he could maybe win some immunity challenges in a row and then leave to be yeah, honest. I, 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 maybe that's his story. Maybe he's actually closer to an Aussie or uh something like that mm-hmm. yeah that's ricard do you i guess question do you think ricard could be a losing finalist no <laughs> yeah I... he doesn't fit into the game that far in like yeah i think different people are going farther and ricard is not not anywhere amidst them yeah yeah no i, I would i love a ricard heather erica group or something like that yes <laughs> It's yeah. just not going to happen, I don't think. Um, poor Ricard. Yeah, I, th- I think his t- his time is numbered. I think he's going to leave pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us to Shan. Mm-hmm. Love Shan, Queen, Joe. She's brushing up near the bottom of my list. Uh, I'm... I have Shan fifth from the bottom. So what? That's uh, sixth, seventh, uh, seventh. Is it? So, yeah, I have I have Shan seventh. Above um, or below Heather? Above, above oh, Heather. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right <laughs> next to Deshaun. Like, to, I don't know. We'll we'll get into it. I mean, I love Shan. There's no reason in the entire world Shan should be Leona's sidekick. That does not match her archetype. Um, I have a lot of issues with Shan from the merge onward. She didn't get a confessional, right? Like, she's. Mm-hmm. Completely sidelined here. Um, it it reminds me so much of the war dog. It's not even funny. Um, I, I I think I think Shan is the war dog, and I think similar to um thirty eight, a lot of people fall for the war dog thing. And Shan's a boss to beat, someone to topple and do something impressive with. I was wrong. Liana's not going to steal Shan's idol, but maybe Tiffany's going to idol her out. Um, I think the thing might happen. Um, something like that. I think I think Shan's gonna get toppled, and it's gonna be like a huge celebratory ding dong. The witch is dead sort of situation. Mm, we're we're very very different, and I mean I think that's just uh, we have two people back to back that we're very very different on. Um, I don't know. I think after this episode with Liana's sort of a question mark at the best, I it harkened back to thirty nine for me, where I was like Tommy's a top contender and then Kelly has this really good episode and like oh it's Kelly it's been Kelly this whole time it's not Tom Tommy and then Kelly goes out in that episode um so like obviously Tommy shot back up to the top but I don't know I think this was actually 
a good episode for Shan. Um, I think it's interesting to have this failed move and then reverse the roles where Leanna is the one making the move when she obviously got a lot of like coaching from Shan and is put into this position because of Shan, but it sets Liana up to fail as opposed to Shan. Mm. Because I saw a lot of people saying this is a shielded episode for Shan. I, I see, I could ahead. see that. I, I can definitely actually see that argument. So I think, yeah, I think it is, especially with the case of this like no confessional, but still a very like bodied episode from Shan where you got lots of content from her and lots of her like speaking and being herself. Like it was not just like incidental sentences. Um, so yeah, I think almost a mix of that and just like the security of the top contender that Shan is made me put her back at number one. I I don't know how long it will hold on. I think these first two merge episodes have been very shaky. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I feel I don't want to get tricked and like maneuvered from a Shan win that was so obvious at times. At right. least not just yet. <laughs> I know. And trust me, that, I, I, me doing that was not was like bated breath, you know? Um, but to me, it was just the first merge episode. I was like, okay, there's some major issues here. The second part of the merge episode didn't fix those. And that to me is enough for her to fall off the cliff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's really bad. I, I think, I think it's really bad for, and I do think that more than most educators, I put a lot of stock in their TV ability, you know, like their, their skill on the screen. And like, I I've said this a lot, I've broken record at this point. Shan is one of the greatest confessionalists and characters they've ever had on this show. 500 plus people have played. I think Shan is in the top 20 for sure. Players ever in terms of just being captivating. Mm -hmm. So why is she not here? Why is she Liana's sidekick? Doesn't make sense to me. Other than if the, the answer is to blame Liana and then Shan rises again. Like that, I, that could be, I think, a story. I, that would be you've actually got to convince me that's possible um i just almost think they'd still have shan throwing her under the bus or something or we hear why she told tiffany about the advantage we didn't really get shan saying oops i messed up i'm gonna do better i i was playing too hard or but had a cataclysmic change on the game Mm -hmm. her going up to tiffany and talking about the advantage like completely that actually altered the course of history uh unlike erica and instead we get not that we just get them the, you know shan's still a player in the game and i just yeah. I, I think part of it is just i have so much faith in shan as a player as a character as everything I think she's an absolute rock star that I just don't think that this is how you'd edit your rock star. I don't know. I have this weird like vision of like a Heather Nasir Shan final three in the style of Gabon where like Shan is the sugar. <laughs> it just yeah. like, goes horribly wrong. I really do think that's possible. I do think it's probably more likely she's a Jeremy, uh, but that's almost fading. Like she's almost not, doesn't have the backup to be a Jeremy, but um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really think it like I, I'd be shocked if she wins. Like in the end. I think you're right. I think her being a sugar, her being a Chrissy, her being a or a Jeremy, or a like to me, she's either a war dog, Jeremy, or she's a, a sugar. And both of those are very low win equity. Um, mm -hmm. or a Russell. I mean, I don't think it would be a Russell. I think it, it'd be closer to a sugar probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I see, and you would be saying a Nasir would win that basically. Like it would be, yeah. This, yeah. I, like, I think that's possible, especially with that next time on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's actually a good point. Basically 
any percentages I had in Shan are instead getting split evenly between Tiffany and Nasir. And because I think it would be more likely that somehow she's there with one of them and they beat her. And that's that's the story. And it's like everyone's mad and tweeting a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but you know, Shan doesn't leave with a million bucks, she leaves with an all-stars or here's versus villains two spot or whatever. All right. Well, I think I, I don't know. I think in this one, they're if that's the case, they're doing something with Nasir that it's not like you wouldn't be mad. You'd be like, oh, that's a fun a fun character to win. Like, yeah. And I think though, if that's the case, they will up shan's villain level yes even more as yeah, we go we'll on see more like those flashes of paranoia and like mm-hmm. the way she's not always the most eloquently handling a situation like i think we'll see more of that right yeah no i, I mean you can you, say she's in the end you can see why ricard went vote for her she's indecisive i was actually the strategist you could see why liana went vote for her hey you destroyed the side's game by going up to tiffany Hey, um, you're, you are, uh, I don't know, Danny or Sean, maybe she plays too hard. Like, I, I think you can already see a lot of info on why she wouldn't get these jury votes mm-hmm. being viable for sure. I, I do think it's more likely she probably leaves beforehand, but that's also just at, like stats, you know, like it's, it's more likely to, to leave before then. But if she gets there, I, I, I think she's going to get like slam dunked. I, I really do. I think I think she would be a zero vote finalist. Hmm. And that, that is not against her because I actually think in this episode, speak highly because I've, I've been uh, very negative to my favorite character season uh, here. Um, I think we see an amazing handling of, uh, of Liana. I think you see an amazing handling of everything she does in this episode. It's she's she to flip Liana. She talks about how you have to spill blood and you know one of you is going to do it first and all that and that's all well and cool but then she asks how does this make you feel you know she leaves for a second and then she turns back she's like how do you make how, how does this make you feel liana and, and then it's a personal moment so she gets her game stuff out of the way leaves for a second turns back and then it's about their feelings because emotions bond people um you see those moments of just like absolute brilliance as ricard said a couple weeks ago she's the closer and you see why she's so good at it mm-hmm. yeah so wildly different views on chan here um <laughs> i think what would reconsider her for me would be like honestly she needs to jump back into the main like she needs to jump back to three episodes ago next week mm-hmm. yeah something needs to be playing that positive side too yes yeah with the with yeah talking about her backstory all that sort of thing to me it just feels like her story's over and that's no good so Let's jump to my girl Tiffany Joe. I, I, I let's Joe. What are your thoughts on Tiffany this week? I don't know if I want to start because I, mm-hmm. I I can start. Let's go. Well, um, here I will say Tiffany is fourth. Like it's not like the end of the world, but like I see where people are getting like, huh? Tiffany is a very interesting edit. Like it's going places. I think I'm still in the camp that it's just going to a losing finals. Yeah, that's that's the biggest issue. So <laughs> what I'll say first is a hundred percent. I am. Okay, there's two big issues with Tiffany. One, I think she might actually be too good of a player for what I was initially <laughs> seeing. She might just be a badass player who leaves like two weeks from now. This week this week actually gave me that vibe because she's no longer at all in any way presented as a joke. 
I think mm-hmm. that ship has sailed. She is presented as a contender, a main threat, in in it to win it. You know, like that whole Mimi side is gone, and that actually raises her uh, volatility quite a bit because mm-hmm. no longer do I get the vibe that she is a hundred percent in the finals, whereas I did honestly last week. This week yeah. she was way way too good almost, but that did raise her win percent chance quite a bit. I still think she's the most likely losing finalist and the most likely winner. Um, which is, again, very good for her. Um, the issue is, I don't know how the hell she gets there. Like, that seems like, a, <laughs> like from what I'm looking at here, an arduous, very difficult path. I don't, I truly don't know how she gets there. But now she has an idol. My guess is, she, maybe she keeps it. Uh, and scolds Xander like a like a school child that we talked about before. But like, still, I mean, Joe, and to bring out our catchphrase, this is what a much needed cooldown looks like. Uh, this is what a cooldown episode looks like, where she gets no confessionals, but she's still all over the place in this episode. She still, mm-hmm. yeah, we leave this episode still with a strong impression of her still leave this episode knowing what she wanted to do and how she did it and everything like that. This is what a cooldown look episode looks like where it's just less content, but still focused. Um, I just, I think with all the other contenders falling out, um, all of that percentage points goes right to Tiffany and it just makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, her story tracks, she still has that pre viver stuff that's never came up again. To me, that's almost plot armor. Um, okay what you've said it so many times i should have like asked what 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 are you expecting to come of that i guess is because i thought i guess i thought it was pretty like like contained in the first episode so like what what would be the like i'm uh, picturing uh to quote tiffany's favorite survivor player of all time adam klein it it would be like the the jay and adam scene on the hammock or something you know, mm-hmm. uh, a reference to it with somebody or, or okay. in confessional or, you know, oh, I don't yeah, like something like that. I see what you mean. I don't mean I like, like she gets, she, she gets a new doctor's result and yeah, no, I, I mean, she shares it with somebody or okay. something. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get what you mean more now. I think eerily when you said Tiffany's good enough a player to leave in the next few weeks, like I was like, oh, that's kind of also a very valid option because like, I think our edit makes a ton of sense for that where you really want to present the character side of Tiffany and then the side where she's a legitimate threat that needs to be taken out and given how the chips are stacking I think it makes sense that like like I don't know Tiffany might have slid up to like <laughs> next week's boot pick for me yeah that's my fear as well it's like I have her number one by far I, I have her at uh probably around like 70 percent Mm-hmm. Like I feel very confident in it. She had an amazing premiere. I rewatched that premiere this week. It's so good, Joe. She was my number one in week one, and it's an amazing premiere. That episode two, whatever. She was the decoy. I'm over it. I wish I, I wish I would have stood my ground there a little bit more. Um, <laughs> my take with there was she's actually a really good player. I think I was right there. Stand by it. Um, but I, I just, I think she's, I think she's really good. I think she is what I said. I think she is able, able to act foolish intentionally and that be like a superpower. I think it's clear she has this war going on with Liana that still has some fruit going. And I think still has some, um, like necessary plot details to get through before it's over. So that get to me gives her longevity unless she leaves next week. 
I do think she has like a 20% chance of being next week specifically's boot. And then I think if she gets through there, she's good. She's in the end. It's just, it could be ending next week if it's this big play gone. Um, I'm going to hope that's not the case. And instead just go with, I really think that this is a awesome, nuanced, new era of the older woman edit finally giving somebody actual credit for how they play as well as addressing the discrepancy in the reputation last week we got liana saying uh you know tiffany is somebody that is frustrating because she's stubborn but and said it in her ways but is so charming and charismatic that everybody loves her and wants to spend time with her i think that would be the story of tiffany winning is instead of holding these things over the older woman's head just because of their demographic giving credit to the fact that people actually really like spending time with them that they are capable that they are smart um i think is what tiffany's story would be i think i need to see very quickly how tiffany worms her way into numbers yeah i have no idea how she gets there (laughs) to be honest the biggest sticking point is that like not only is she literally in like the minority she seems right now so detached from the people of the majority like and it seems like the next time on might rectify some of that but yeah the like one thing we saw her doing last episode was talking to sydney who's now gone yeah and it's just like i mean that's an interesting thing to note though is that she was talking to sydney and then sydney was the one they had pulled over to their Mm -hmm. side um but i need to see like that on a bigger scale and how that all works out and then maybe i could start being a a tiffany believer but mm. yeah for me this is all like edgic is edit and logic and this is all edit for me (laughs) the the numbers on the beach i don't get it uh i really don't maybe it's just they don't Maybe it's a Sandra. Like, I think early on, I flagged that Tiffany's one of the more Sandra-esque players that we've ever seen. The matter-of-fact confessional delivery, the ability to pop off, the ability to be a little bit more sensational are all markers of Sandra, but also the horrific challenge performances, the uh, the idea of once you make the merge, you're set kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's Tiffany as well. And maybe it's just she's never worth getting rid of is a valid story. And then she just kind of sneaks her way in there. I could see that being possible. <laughs> like maybe it's Evie, Xander, and uh, I don't know, all these people leave. And then they're like, whatever, Tiffany's on her own. Who cares? And then it's Ricard and Shan, and then it's Heather and Erica, and Tiffany's just kind of still there. I could see that being being possible. I don't even know if she needs to play this flippy in a grading game. It could just be like sandra it's not me cool bye oh but sandra did play a little bit of that like when krista went like she there was a big like moment of her scrambling to like get burton to go instead of her yeah so right but i mean we saw that here with uh in this season even like with uh with the voce versus uh who was it with versus xander of it all right we we yeah. did see we did see tiffany scramble we, we i think we know what that looks like i think it looks similar to sandra it's being uh, very self-serving and putting your foot down and being scrambly mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, being a puppet master kind of situation like a, like a Shan. It's, it's, oh no, the end gotta get through today is very, uh, I think, both of them. So, and she's got the chop. She did an amazing job, I thought, 
this whole episode with the the fake idol of it all. She's keeping up fine, which again, I think is further argument that she's way smarter than those early episodes were showing us. Like she's really in tune with this game, I think. Um, yeah. I just know the episode I finally get sold on Tiffany. She's she's leaving the next one. So (laughs) watch out. No, that's, that's, uh, that's facts for sure. So, Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just like, to me, honestly, nobody else is jumping out. Liana, for all the positives I have for her, had a bad episode this week. This year was not there this week. Yeah. Like, I just honestly don't have anybody else that I, I feel good in, to be honest. Like, I mm-hmm. jumped Erica up because I, I, to me, I'm scrambling for people because I've eliminated so many um that i'm just looking for people who still have a pulse and tiffany is not only has a pulse but is like beating like a drum is it it just makes so much sense to me Mm -hmm. yep and a lot of other people feel that too like it's definitely a thought out there i just i've just never had the tiffany goggles yet this season he's also very funny so Mm -hmm. like i I I definitely (laughs) don't get me wrong i would love to see her win this season (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like she's a fantastic character. Like mm-hmm. I cannot believe she was the alternate. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> wild. She's so funny. So whoever they got, whoever missed the boat. I mean, they're the real MVP. Um, <laughs> let's jump here to Xander. Great episode for Xander. Great episode. Like enough like, to just surpass Heather. I think <laughs> <laughs> climbs the bar. I mean, really, that's the thing. I think this is one of the season's biggest missed opportunities. Is that Xander could be a contender as big as we discussed Shannon Tiffany and just how tidy his two advantages like drags him down because. <laughs> Even in utilizing those, he's very captivating. And yep. yeah, this episode is almost, it's like the same level of strength as like Danny's premiere. It's like, yeah. so good. No, Xander comes off like, like a survivor god mm-hmm. in this episode. You know what I mean? Like he's thinking of everything. He's getting Danny to leak it to Liana so that he can weaponize her knowledge. It's he's everywhere. He's like a superhero in this episode. But yeah, those gaps, they're just I agree. I think he is the biggest uh like dropping of the ball. It's just it wouldn't have even been that hard. Give him a scene where he talks about being uh the youngest or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like something something basic and I think you still have people fighting whether he's the winner or not. And yeah, just like moments of like, because he just drops off after the voce vote, which is when like that should be give the time you give to Liana to him to be like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble. What can I yeah. do? And then then so we just get nothing until he's relevant again. No, for sure. Um, yeah, I really don't get what they're doing. Like, I don't. <sighs> It would be so easy to make him, like, a serious, credible threat the entire way. Even, like, cool the making fun of him a little bit last week. Maybe give him, or two weeks ago, you know, like, give him a little bit more of a of a defensive part. And I, I get why, because he gets, he actually beats Liana in that. So that's... That's a fun subversion. Mm-hmm. But in the process, because he didn't have a solid enough foundation, he does look like a little bit of a joke. So you made this honestly amazing player who's super captivating. He was electric. 
everybody I've talked to loves Xander now. Mm-hmm. It is like a st- Xander. Uh, and <laughs> they they dropped the ball with making him seem like he could actually win this thing. I think, I mean, I think that's another effect of us just having a magnifying glass to this. I think if you're not us, you now look at Xander like, oh gosh. Yeah, true. He's another big player here that we got to keep an eye on. True. But like, you know, he could be in the same tier as Shan. I don't even. I don't think casuals would be viewing him on the same pedestal as Shan or or uh, Ricard, even really. You know, like I feel like something like that. I feel like you could do a better job hyping him up a little bit before this. But I'm. We did have that. Like, what if Xander wins and it is? That's why episode three sucks because his entire story comes down to all these freaking random things he finds. What if he is just advantage guy? <laughs> I don't think that's the case. But you know, yeah. playing playing devil's advocate a little bit. I think. Trying to think like if. Because they're glowing up the advantages, I think that'd be more of Xander's story. Is that like, wow, I found all of this and it's working so well in my favor. It's not like he finds the advantages and it's very like, I found the advantage. It's not like positive, like this is going to be so yeah. great for my game. Yeah, like we didn't get Val's idol or anything. You know what I mean? Like, or this idol is my the literal embodiment of my family member or anything like that. Yeah, it's, I found it, and then he talks about the logic behind it. Right, like it's mm-hmm. it's very. He's almost like a genius player or something like that. You know, the genius kind of thing. That said, he's, again, he's so good. I thought his, everything about what he did in this episode was masterful. And again, that's kind of why I was so defensive of Liana is it undercuts how good Xander did. Yeah. Like this was an all time survivor performance, I think. With the, even like when Liana starts reading it out, he's got like the puppy dog eyes. He's like, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. he looks scared and nervous. Like, he's doing an amazing mm-hmm. job. Xander would be an outstanding actor, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just played it perfectly. And yeah. it just works so well. And that's, like, hard to... Like, every Survivor fan noticed how overpowered that advantage was. And he was able to outthink it, flip it into his own advantage. Like, he really, he really did a, a phenomenal job here. And, like, was captivating the whole way through, was able to... I thought he was doing great work with Danny, even. Mm-hmm. It seems like they have a good bond going. Like, it seems like he is kind of reaching, extending the olive branch. And he understood how to... Hey, I'm gonna idol Evie was a, a kind of a trump card he could throw down there. Yeah. To completely shatter what everybody else was doing. Like, Sydney leaving... Hot take is probably the best result for a Xander. I think it's really a best result for a Xander and for a Shan. That's who benefits the most, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it breaks up that sort of core of Luvu and mm-hmm. forces them to look elsewhere for allies. Yeah, and if you're Xander, like, yeah, it's it's way better there. And I thought it was extremely uh, practical and reasonable for him to not play the idol. Hype up. And what was really brilliant was even when the votes were coming out, he's like, don't worry, Evie, I got you. He has no idea if he's got her. You know, he's got no idea if the vote's coming out on Sydney or Abby. He, he did say at the end, though, I'm sorry, Abby. Yeah, like, he, 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 he gambled wrong. <laughs> yeah, he did gamble wrong. But before then, he was doing a good job bluffing. Mm. Uh, I think it's just, why did they split it that way? But um, <laughs> yeah, I, he was. And part of that, I think, is when he realized that they weren't on the jury. Honestly, I think that's when um, when Abby says something about the jury. And then he's then he says, "I'm sorry." He realizes it doesn't really matter 
if Emmy leaves. <laughs> I think was it, to be honest. But I don't know. I was floored at how good he was. Like, this really was a, like, Tony and that episode where he was the only person who spoke the whole time level performance. <laughs> yeah, very good. Continues Loves to surpass Andy. expectations. Where do you think he's going, Joe? Like, the next two episodes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's dead. Yeah, I'm totally with you. He's so gone. Um, after all that, after all that praise, mm-hmm. he's... See, I think my take is he's going to live slightly longer than you expect. I think we're going to get an episode of the next two weeks that is something along the lines of before the challenge, Xander has to go. He's yeah. going to win. I, I think he'll go on like a small immunity run or mm-hmm. maybe just a win or something and maybe plays the idol. Like, I think he's going to live what we're at 11 I think he'll leave at like nine. Yeah. He'll make that's like a decent enough um, overcoming the odds journey, and then he's just gonna get clipped. I think is where I'm thinking. Mm. I hope that's wrong, but yeah, this season kind of feels very worlds apart to me, where we have this like minority that's very rootable, and yet they all seem so doomed. <laughs> yeah, Evie's Jen Brown, uh, Xander's Joe, mm-hmm. Tiffany <laughs> Shireen. No, Tiffany is Mike Holloway. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of an apt comparison there. Uh, and I agree. I think, I think Xander is a Joe makes a lot of sense and yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Yep. Cause I like, I, I don't think he's going to make finale. No, really. I, I don't really think that's super possible. And then game logic wise, I don't think he like, why would they not vote him out immediately? <laughs> and then edit wise, I just don't think he actually, because of those gaps, I think this reads more as he's somebody who does like big popping things a couple times. He'll probably, I bet, do you think he's going to play Zydel right? Or Tiffany's playing Zydel right? Mm, as in he will play it and he will be saved. Or, you know, somebody, maybe he'll play it and, and the the person he wants to go home goes home instead of i don't think so see i would say yes i think he's got two or three more tricks under his sleeve and then he's gone i think he plays it well i don't know does tiffany give it back Mm, i say no i don't know i go with no (laughs) but we'll see i still think i think he's gonna pull pull a rabbit out of his sleeve and and do something but let's jump here to sydney rip queen she was so funny this episode I am famously on the record, I think last episode, I was like, I don't get Sydney, too much of a mean girl. I think I've turned. I've been <laughs> like, Sydney's edit and the result of what happened to her now just like fit together so nicely. Like this weird, overconfident, immature-ish character who like is pretty unfairly like gotten out of the game, I think. And then just like has I feel those... like Sydney almost certainly raises to top five most robbed players of the history of Survivor. Mm-hmm. And then just like those final words. Like the her whole edit is almost like around those final words, like making yeah. them work. And no, it, it almost feels well. like that that's the starting point. It's wow, this <laughs> final words. Let's make this character. And like, yeah, now I get it why she like retweets her haters and like <laughs> yeah. all that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely turned on Sydney as a character in that in a I positive know, way. In a positive way. I like her more. <laughs> 
And I think it's yeah. a really interesting, like in a ways, it's a very predictable merge boot edit, but it was done very interestingly. Yeah. And you get these like moments you don't really see in Modern Survivor where someone is so like outlandish and fun. Yeah, in a lot of ways, Sydney is the return to like the the classic idea of the merge boot. You know what I mean? Like I feel like for a long time, the last couple seasons, we've been getting like the quiet, subversive merge boot almost. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is Sydney is your like cut and dry. My President Sarah um, merge boot of, you know, 20 plus seasons of Survivor. And I'm kind of surprised we didn't maybe see this more. I think because we're so used to now, like all the developed characters are going far in these seasons. They're <laughs> um, just like, oh, I don't know where she's going to go. But merge boot makes so much sense for where she goes. I guess we both predicted her last week but i feel like in general maybe we, we were never thinking she was gonna win but maybe would kind of s- s- like stick around as the main villain or whatever for a while but no i felt like merge boot was pretty solid yeah i saw like, some discourse that was like is sydney the surprise shock pre-merge boot no. and i was like no <laughs> no she's not no one like genuinely thought she was winning right yeah like, like i don't like I was talking to my parents. They thought she was horrible. Like, they really were annoyed by her. But in, like, a fun way. Like, you love to hate her. Yeah. Uh, like, no. Like, she does not look like a winner. She's not a shock boot. I feel like... Because even when she's saying, like, she's the threat of all threats... Like, you're not meant to take that yeah. in sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's a, she's a little bit of a jokester. But is also overconfident, you know? Mm-hmm. Hard line to straddle. But I think they did a good job with her story overall. Um, yeah, they clearly, I don't think, are big fans of her based no. on the story she got. I don't think Sydney's coming back. I don't think Sydney wants to come back. No, I don't think Sydney wants to come back. Would you come back if you were Sydney? No way, right? No. Like, I really think, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, it's her, Dan Rengering, who else here? Like, I feel like up there is just the most robbed ever. Um, mm, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I think, I don't know, I feel like I got the vibe from Sydney that, like, in that final tribal council, she was kind of out of it, and just like, I guess I'll do this to keep me safe, and then she just, like, went, and she was like, I don't need this anyway, (laughs) which... I don't know. Definitely admire that about it. <laughs> I love that. Just yeah, maybe it's rude to say, but my life's better than all these people. <laughs> like, I'm all so right. glad I never have to see any of them again. <laughs> yeah, she made me laugh a lot, so mm-hmm. I'm sad. She was a good character. She's charismatic. Um, threat of all threats. Rip queen. Yeah. I'd be happy to see her again. I, I know she'll never play again. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell they had a grudge to pick with her. Um, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that fire scene in retrospect. You're like, oh yeah. Like this is a person who got so robbed by production, and then they're like making fun <laughs> of her bad attitude to like almost like preemptively discredit all her c- complaints, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like so. <laughs> Like, you think Heather is the one being punished, and then, like, Sydney hates Heather. So, like, what is... Either Heather has done something, or, like, this is even more Sydney punishment by giving Heather this, like, inoffensive, like, at times positive edit. Yeah. No, I feel like you'd way rather... I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say would you rather be Sydney or Heather. I would probably vote sydney but yeah hard to say um and yeah that brings us to the end of our show so uh i wanted to introduce a mvp lvp sort of situation so i think mvp this week is certainly xander um like i said i think one of the best performances in survivor history i think in other weeks it would be more interesting what do you think joe 
I need to def- define this. So, like, just the person who plays the best in there. Yeah, or like, like a, you know, a highlight of, you know, someone you want to throw some special attention towards. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, definitely Xander. Like we said, a masterclass in this specific situation. Uh, do I think there's anyone else I would highlight here? I also, I mean, I think Tiffany did the right stuff in her part in that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's obviously, it's not as flashy as what Xander did, but... It was was right to tell everybody. Mm Right, it was right yeah. to be the leaky wheel. I, Sydney definitely was the like fulcrum of this whole plan. Right, Xander can't do what he did if not for, not for Tiffany. Yep. LVP. Uh, uh, my vote here is Erica. What you doing? Why you voting with the group that you just <laughs> said were made you feel on the bottom? I I think I'm gonna be boring and go with Liana. I just think like <laughs> just some sort of tunnel vision took over her, and like there are better ways to just use this advantage. And I don't know. I so, think that's a fair one. And I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. I feel yeah. I'm definitely not as down on Erica as you are. I just think it's so embarrassing to... And obviously, she doesn't know how these episodes are constructed, but I, I think I'd rather be Sydney than Erica right now, where you get this huge episode about how betrayed you feel and on the bottom, and you'll never work with them again, and then you're lining up in the huddle and voting as you're told, you know? That's I, think, my I know, because she has Liana and Shan and Ricard, and then I think Heather, too. Like, I think it's not, it's better for her to vote in the majority that has some yeah. opportunity for her than to vote in the minority. And then I'm really... also somebody that will just die on any hill whatsoever. <laughs> you get, Give me a hill, I'm dying on it. And it's probably practical to play how she is, but mm-hmm. who's the next boot, Joe? Um... I'll let you pick first. I'm gonna go with uh, it's Evie. I think Evie's gonna leave next. Okay, week. yeah, I I figured you were gonna say that, so I, I wanted to let you have have your first choice, uh, which gives me the interesting decision of Tiffany or Xander. Uh, let's go Tiffany. Let's. Uh, this is like the fifth week of <laughs> I said Tiffany, um, but this is actually the time. And she's gotta be on one of our lists, right? Um, <laughs> and we've talked about it here on our winner list, but uh, my top three. That's what I have going on here is number three, Nasir, number two, Liana, and number one, your girl Tiffany. Um, I tacked on Liana. I, I'm feeling better now about it. I don't want to miss out on it. Number two is Nasir, and number one is Shan, like the comfort blanket of Edgic Picks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's our show. Um, thanks so much for listening. We love always hearing all the positive feedback and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. New episodes, uh, you know, we, we record them uh, when we can. Uh, usually on Saturdays and Sundays we'll release them. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, and yeah. We'll see you Farewell. next week. Bye. Bye. My demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. All the girls bro, are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win or I'm going to die trying.